If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. This is the Troubleshooter Show. Help, I need somebody. Now, Tom Martino, the Troubleshooter. Welcome to the show. As you know, this is the only show of its kind. We're here to solve problems, answer questions. You know what we also do? We take your complaints, and sometimes we just want to hear what you have to say. If you've been ripped off or taken advantage of, this show right here, listen to this number. I am so proud of it. Tom started this, my God, almost 40 years ago right here in Denver. He actually started in other states, but he ended up here almost 40 years ago doing the longest-running radio show with the same host in the country. And to date, over $200 million in cash, merchandise, exchanges, refunds directly, and I mean that, directly due to this show. So I'll put it in layman's terms. You ready? If you've been ripped off, if you've been taken advantage of, or if you just want to shine this spotlight we call the Troubleshooter Show on some bad people out there, you call 303-713-8255-303-713-8255 or 303-MARTINO during the show. We'll get you right in. Live at Troubleshooter.com. My goodness, don't forget about ReferralList.com. We're always talking about bad guys. How about the good guys? How about great guys like Michael Nimmo with the Denver Trial Lawyers? We've been talking about these guys a lot. One of the reasons is the amount of money they have recovered for consumers is absolutely unbelievable. You know, Steve there, Michael, um, is Steve kind of the founder? I'm not quite sure of the hierarchy, if you will, of the firm. Yeah, so Steve Wahlberg is uh, one of my partners, and I joined the firm in 2005, uh, right out of law school, and he was he was one of the main partners at that time, and became partner with him about five years ago. He has told me a story, and I don't know if you know this one, but I find it I find it great, and of course I won't use any names, but the gist of it was a couple went out and bought a lot of life insurance, husband takes off after everything was approved on the life insurance and goes to Mexico, apparently on vacation or work or something. Do you know Do you know this story? I hope you do. I, I might know this story. It depends on where it goes. <laughs> okay. So listen to this. This story is amazing. So they buy a lot of life insurance. If I recall, Steve told me $1 million, $2 million in life insurance, different policies. Husband, a couple months after everything's approved, goes over to Mexico for vacation or something. Dan, this is crazy. So next thing you know, he disappears. Nowhere to be seen, but no body. No body anywhere. The life insurance companies, when the wife or the spouse wants the money, you know, she wants to cash in on what they paid for, the life insurance, they won't do it. So you know what happens? This is what Steve tells me. You guys got involved, and even though there was no body, somehow a death certificate was finally issued by the place in Mexico, the small town, and you guys got them all their money. I do know this story. <laughs> that is an incredible, I mean, think about that. No matter what side you're on, of course, everybody listening is thinking, I know what happened there. This doesn't sound right. This guy went down there and disappeared. But 
according to the contractual agreement on the life insurance, if there's a death certificate, I mean, ultimately, people should get paid, right? That's correct. Do you think they have, do you think those companies have people down there spying to see if this guy ever comes around again? I mean, what do you think about that? I definitely think they do. They do it in Denver, so they're definitely going to do it in Mexico. So they're doing it everywhere. Yeah. What's another big one you guys have recovered? Outside of auto accidents, give me something that's a little outside the box that Denver trial lawyers has got. I love stories like this. Well, I can tell you about a case I'm working on right now that's really interesting. What is it? Um, I represent a, a oral surgeon from from London, England, who was skiing in Beaver Creek on vacation with his family, and he was he was hit by somebody, uh, another skier, um, and it fractured his his uh, spine. Not an employee, just a just another skier. Just another vacationer. And it fractured his spine and it fractured his pelvis. And as a result of that, he his bone disintegrated in his vertebrae. And oh, so man. now he has a very difficult time operating on his patients back in London. He wasn't able to walk for about six months. He recovered to an extent where he can operate some, but not to a full extent. So I just returned from a trip to London where I took about 14 depositions related to this case. Um, oral surgeons, dentists that he works with to try to establish, you know, what kind of income he's lost. What kind of damages? I, I'm curious on this. I assume in a case like this, you're throwing everything at the wall, if you will, to see what sticks. So you're going after what? The ski resort? You're going after the individual that hit him? Who else would you go after? Or is that pretty much it? Well, is there any third parties like a, a, a company that made a bad ski or boot or something? That's always a possibility. In this particular case, we can't even go after the ski resort because there is no claim that the chairlift or something in on the on the run, like a rope or a, a fence, had anything to do with the accident. So in this case, we are just going after the other skier. So the other individual must have money, or else you wouldn't be there. I mean, that's just uh, that's one of the sad parts about you know whether someone's guilty or liable to you is one thing. Whether they have anything to ever pay you is another. Yeah, I can tell you many stories where somebody was absolutely liable, but had no way. We had no way to recover the money, and unfortunately, there's really nothing that can be done in this case. Um, homeowners insurance provides coverage for a situation like that. That's incredible, man. I mean, that really is incredible. What kind of dollar figure are you guys looking for here? Or you don't even know yet. Do you take a lot of skiing cases as well? Um, we do take skiing cases, but uh, the way the law in Colorado is right now, there's something called the Ski Safety Act, um, and it, it uh, basically prevents someone who's injured as a result of something on a ski slope that the ski companies are responsible for. Um, because they sign waivers when they get lift tickets. So that's purely from the lobbyists, though, right, who I assume own the ski resorts. Well, Vail is, is a big presence. Obviously, Vail Resorts and Ski Country USA is a big presence as well. And It's almost come... like the gun lobby. Yeah. I mean, really, it's kind of the same kind of rules. Well, you can imagine how much money um, the ski industry brings into Colorado for tourism and the dollars that it brings. And so that that is a powerful, powerful argument to make to the legislature. Man, that's crazy. All right, 303-713-8255. Sarah, what's going on with you? Hi there. I'm calling you about thrift stores. What about thrift stores? Okay. Many years ago, thrift stores, according to my memory, were required to give a certain percentage to a charitable donation. I don't think know. so. Maybe if they were taking subsidies from the city or the state or the feds or something, but I don't think a thrift store in general is just generally a secondhand store. I I don't think you're correct there. There might have been well, different I'm, ones set up that mm-hmm. have done that in the past, but I, I don't know of any law. 
Well, no, I don't think it was a lie. Or regulation. Right. But I don't think it was that. I just think it was like a moral obligation that if people donated to you, that you would make sure that their donations went now, to most of them, a, a most of them, cause. Most of them, like it or not, are pretty much for-profit businesses. And even the ones that are non-profit, it doesn't matter. They still pay salaries. People that own them still make a lot of money. I mean, they might donate something, but why? Why do you care? I mean, what happened? Did you buy something thinking some of that money would go to a charity and it didn't and you're upset? No, no, I was looking for a place to donate to. And oh. then I found out that these, they don't, they don't, you know. How about Goodwill? Anything. I would assume Goodwill does. Or ARC. Right. Well, or there's ARC. so many of these popping up. I was trying to do my donation locally. I, I you see. Know, to, to, I would stick with Goodwill or ARC. And even if they don't donate a lot to other outside things, what both of them do that's really wonderful is they hire handicapped folks. They really do. That. They give a lot of jobs to people that can't get jobs in other places. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the small pop-up thrift stores. Yeah, most they, of those they, are going to be for-profit. I mean, you're, I doubt yeah. they're donating anything. I'll say this, though. If anybody out there knows of a certain one that does donate to good causes when people shop there, let's get that number to Sarah. So, Sarah, hold on. We'll take your information. And if anybody knows any out there, 303-713-8255. Everybody hold tight. We're going to come back. Mr. Martino's in the building. Tom Martino here. Welcome to the only show of its kind anywhere in the universe. This hour brought to you by RealCBDThatWorks.com. That's right. RealCBDThatWorks.com is a website for Panacea Life Sciences and Golden Pharmaceutical Grade a Facility, pharmaceutical dosage you can depend on. And it really does work for pain, inflammation, for... It doesn't do away with inflammation. It's not an anti-inflammatory, but it helps with it because the pain goes away and the anxiety and it helps with sleep. RealCBDThatWorks.com. I'm so tired of people, people being ripped off with everything, and I just want to tell you how wonderful it works. RealCBDThatWorks.com. Now, um, what is happening? We're going to talk to you about any problems. And, of course, we have Denver trial lawyers with us as well. And um, we also have a follow-up on the house a little later on. The people rented from a tenant, and the power was turned off. They had no heat, and we're, we're slowly making progress there. Dakota, what's going on? Hi, Dakota. Are you there, Dakota? Uh oh. Um, establish that. I'm going to go to uh, Sarah. Sarah, what's happening with you, Sarah? Sarah? Hello, Sarah. Okay. I'm starting to get a little complex here now when I get. Sarah! Apparently, that's not Sarah. It's a new call, so I'll feel okay, that. I'm so sorry. Is Dakota back? Dakota, let's see if we can get your phone working better. Are you there? Yeah. Oh, man. I can't hear you, Dakota. I can't. I can't. You, every other every other syllable is is taken out. Um, are you on a headset? Uh, she's gone, Dakota. You gotta you gotta try again. I'm sorry. Three zero three seven one three talk. Three zero three seven one three eight two five five. I'd like to talk about trial. People think. They want to go to court. They don't understand what trial involves. I want to talk about it. With personal injury, not normal personal injury, let's call this the catastrophic kind. 
medical malpractice, even when you think you have a wonderful case, let's talk about how difficult it is. Now, the reason I say that is because when you get a firm who takes it on, they really have a pretty good idea. You got, you have a good case. You've got damages. Why? Because of the enormity of evidence you need and the complication. So let's talk about that. Michael Nimmo, he's, he's an attorney with Denver Trial Lawyers. Okay, so Michael, malpractice, let's just take that for example, how difficult it is. Now, I'm not saying that to discourage people. I leave that to you. When you talk to people, I'll bet you more than not, you have to tell them this is not quite enough to go forward because it's so complicated and difficult. Isn't that right? It's exactly right. I mean, we we get hundreds and hundreds of intakes for medical malpractice cases, and we may take one or two out of those hundreds. So let's take the very first thing, the very first thing. Before you even consider it, you must have a damage, and it's it's not just this damage that most people call about. He could have killed me. It would have killed me. You know, that, or they didn't discover it until a week later or four weeks later. The mere fact that someone discovered something later is not necessarily malpractice because even if they missed it, that delay has to contribute to damages. So explain the damages part to begin with, because a lot of people had extraordinary suffering, but they had it for a week. Okay. And then oh, this other doctor found out what he did wrong. Had he not found out, I would, have been, I would have been disabled the rest of my life. But he found out. I want this doctor. I want to go after this first doctor. I had terrible pain for a week. I had anxiety. I thought I was going to die. Things like that. Talk about what kinds of damages in medical malpractice are important. Sure. I mean, medical malpractice is a unique area of the law. There is a cap on damages in medical malpractice of $300,000. Now, now that, that to me seems ridiculous. It is ridiculous. And that's because of lobbyists. Now, is that cap just in Colorado? Yes, it is. There's caps for different states, and some states don't have them. All right, but because why should it be 300000 What if someone is incapacitated the rest of their lives? Right. So let me tell you something even more ridiculous. If you are killed as a result of medical negligence, that is capped at $300,000 in the state of Colorado. If you are killed in a car accident, that is capped at $468,000. Now, you tell me, why in the world is someone's life worth more when they're killed as a result but of a car accident than Both of those limits are ridiculous in today's day. So here's what I want to know. How do you get these multi-million dollar verdicts? I've seen them. I've seen what you guys have done. Verdicts, judgments, and negotiated settlements. Why would someone negotiate a settlement far in excess of that? Or why would a judge? Well, how, how do you get damages more than that? Right. So economic damages, what we call economic damages. Is that the cap or is the cap on everything? The economic damages aren't necessarily capped. So that would be medical expenses and lost wages. But what about lost potential wages? That would not be capped either. Okay. So the cap is on what? The cap is on pain and suffering and the cap is on any physical impairment that you suffered. Now, of course, if it's a wrongful death, you don't have those because you've died and you don't have economic damages. You just, you're capped at the wrongful death. So it's, it's the cap on what... It's what, better to be injured than dead when it comes to malpractice absolutely. for the family. Okay, but, but I want to know, with an injury, a medical malpractice injury, right. 
you're capped for pain and suffering at 300, not on economic. Let's take one at a time. How do you put a value on pain and suffering? Seriously, now, how do you do that? Why is one, one pain and suffering worth 100 and some worth 300? How do you, how do you mentally reconcile that? Yeah, it's really difficult um, because the, the pain and suffering- In su- your experience, what, what causes it? Well, generally speaking, if someone's medical expenses are higher, um, that, that's a sign that their injury is worse. And so the pain and suffering arguably is worse. And so we use the economic damages to argue pain and suffering. Could you have an extraordinary pain and suffering loss without permanent damage? Yes, you could. You absolutely could. So somebody who said, I went through a month of hell could get an award, even if a new doctor discovered the, the, the mistake. Right. I mean, the, the mistake would have to have caused that ignore, extraordinary right. no, that's pain. What I meant. Yeah. 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 Okay. So now economic damages are not capped. But uh, so that means somebody who's been working and has a potential, has a wonderful future ahead of them could get some money then. Correct. Yes, they could they could recover their loss of future income if assuming you can prove that someone was at fault and it caused the injury and it was causing them not to be able to work. Now, are there punitive damages on top of all of that? Uh there's a caveat to that. There are, but they're very, very rare and very difficult to get. That's what I wanted to talk about because many people feel they're entitled to punitive. First of all, what is a punitive damage? A punitive damage is a separate category of And damage. it comes from the word punishment. Go ahead. Yeah, and it's made to punish the wrongdoer. Okay. It is not made to compensate someone who's lost something. It's more to punish the wrongdoer for their conduct. If they were egregious in covering something up. Right. So the standard, the standard in Colorado to prove negligence is reasonable and carelessness, whereas for punitive damages, you have to prove that the conduct was reckless, which is beyond carelessness. Reckless ha- have you ever done that? Yeah, we have some punitive damages cases. The judge has to approve your your request to ask for punitive damages. You can't just ask for it. All right, let's go to Dakota. Dakota, uh, let's see if we establish better here. Dakota, what's happening? Can you hear me now? I can. What's happening, Dakota? Awesome. So I recently went to a company, Sprinkler Auto in Longmont. What's Sprinkler Auto? Sprinkler Auto is a family-owned auto dealership. Okay, I wondered. Um, I wondered if it had to do with lawn irrigation. So we're talking about cars. So does this involve the purchase of an automobile or maintenance? It does. It involves both, actually. Okay. All right. Enough. So why don't you hang on, and we'll come right back to you now that we have a good connection. I'm Tom Martino. We always like to go after bad guys, and sometimes there are no bad guys. Hi, Tom Martino here, 303-713-TALK. One clear choice, garage doors will come out and inspect your garage door when they have time. Free if you mention a Martino special because they want to make sure your garage door is safe. Yes, they want to find something wrong. What's wrong with that? That doesn't mean they make it up. They're honest. You know, companies that want to come to your home and find stuff, that's okay, as long as they're honest, and one clear choice stores is honest. Now, of course, they, they, they adjust it free, and they do a safety a tightening, and, and all of the sensitivity adjustments, all free with the inspection, and then put a sticker on there so you'll remember them, and they will be your garage door company. OneClearChoiceDoors.com. What's on your mind today? Let's talk. Okay, Dakota says, I got a problem with Sprinkler Auto, and where is Sprinkler Auto? Uh, located? 
Sprinkler Auto is in Longmont. Okay, now I want to mention, I mentioned this yesterday. What about Longmont, guys? Let's say it, right? What about it, Mark? All the auto. Why why is that, Mark? Why is, uh, for a small town, we get more automobile used car purchase complaints from Longmont than anywhere else? And that's incredible. A a small place like Longmont, they, they must have gotten together and said, okay, Let's all go to Longmont and screw the hell out of people. It's like a haven for bad dealers. Longmont Auto Sales, another one that generates complaints. Now, what's going on? Get right to your problem. How do we help you? What's going on? Okay, so here's what happened. I went in and I bought a car for $3,500 cash. Now, what did you think you would get for that? Um, I honestly thought I would at least get a running car. You know, I checked the car Did you buy it as is? Did you buy it as is? I bought it um, off as the is. lot as it, I, as it was, yes. Okay, no no warranties. Now, here's what I want to know. Uh, how, what what uh, year and uh, what make, model, and the mileage? 2005 Dodge Neon SXT. Okay, a Neon. And how many miles? It only had 130,000 miles. I don't believe it. But if that's None. what they said. Not many. Okay, but remember this, folks. You know my formula. Over 100,000 miles. Expect, okay, you will have some problems here and there. Over 150,000 miles, you will definitely have problems. And over 200,000, you will have major catastrophic problems. There's no, there's no way around it. There are a few exceptions. Right now, there's a farmer saying, I got 400,000 on my pickup, and I'll just change to Earl. So um, I'm not talking about exceptions right now. Dakota, what did that car dealer do wrong? Okay, so I understand all the problems with cars that come after 100,000 miles. Now, this car was said to have been serviced greatly. All the car facts show that there was nothing to be fixed on it. Everything was perfectly fine. The car facts showed that it was a perfectly working car. Well, no, the car facts shows maintenance and major repairs only. It doesn't say this car is in good condition. Took it to a mechanic. Wait, Dakota, you took it? You had this you had this checked out before you bought it? I had it checked out right after with the little <laughs> slip they gave me. I love that one. That's you know, I, I when people tell me I, I checked it out right after that 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 that's like uh that's like uh, after you say I do, uh now getting to know your bride. Uh okay, so what happened? What what did you find well, after you in, bought it? I actually only drove the car for twelve hours, drove the car for twelve hours off the lot, the car breaks down. 12 hours after buying it. Wow. How? Okay. What's wrong with it? They tow it in. What's wrong with it? They're going to tow it in for me. They tow it in, tell me they're going to fix everything. They say the thermostat's bad and that the water pump went bad. They say they replaced the thermostat, replaced the water pump. Everything's going to work on it. This car is going to run fine. They tell me I can even drive it to Las Vegas because I asked them specifically, hey, can I drive this car to Las Vegas now that it's fixed? Now, are you yeah, mad at you the place? Are you mad at the place that repaired it now, or Dakota? Did Dakota put this thermostat in? Um, no. I mean, no, not no. Dakota. I mean, sprinkler, sprinkler. sprinkler I mean, well, that was sprinkler. Nice okay, so Dakota, sprinkler put the thermostat in, and the water pump. Did they charge you for that? They did not charge me for that. However, All right. after that, that tell not... me. Now, I, I know you want to tell me pain and misery. What happened after that? I drove the car for eight hours, and it broke down again doing the exact same thing, so they never actually fixed anything. So what is it, a head gasket? Did they ever say what it was? Right now, if I magically uh, make you tell me today right now what's wrong with it, 
uh, is there something wrong with it today? I have no idea what's wrong with it. All right, so today, is this yes, so, something wrong with it? Okay, so they fixed it once, and after it started doing the same thing, that's when you called us. They said they fixed it, never fixed it. I, they said that they were going. So this is why I called you. I got a call from Benny Valdez. That is the spoon. That's what they call the spoon. There, it's a person that works there. He's a salesman. It's the also, spoon. He's also close with the manager. And he's also close with the owner. He told me he had spoken with the owner and that they're going to take my car back and give me the full value that I paid for it for trade-in value. Yeah, but that doesn't matter because the next car you buy is going to be overpriced and, and suck yeah, as well. but they don't even I have mean, to do that. that. Nice Dakota, Dakota, let, let, let me just take over here for a sec. Okay, continue on that vein, Mark. Go ahead. Well, they don't I'm even have to. Hold on, nice just Dakota, you got to listen. Just car. listen, and then you can talk all you want. Mark? You don't, they don't even have to do that. You bought that vehicle as is. If they're offering to get you into something else and actually give you whatever you paid for that, what do you have to lose? Because they're the, not going to do anything else. Exactly. If the second car is all right, here's the other thing. They didn't have to do a thermostat or water pump. They didn't have to do anything. Now, I agree with you, Dakota. I would be I would be pissed off if I bought a car and and it broke down after 12 hours. I would be really pissed off at myself for not getting it checked out by a mechanic. So, here's the deal. I would also be ticked off at the people who sold it to me. We all want to believe, at least as you said, we're going to have a running car. So you didn't call to get preached to, but I have to tell you, they don't have to do anything. Right, let's right. try to let's try thing? to negotiate something. Do they have another car there, and how much more would you have to pay? They said that they had another car for me. They said that I could trade in my car for the full trade-in value that and, I paid for. And it, then right? what? And and pay I called, what? I got a call from the owner today, and he's like, "Actually, because we don't want to take the car back, I'm actually only going to either give you five hundred dollars trade-in value or just nothing at all." And I'm like, "Your employee told me well, on the yeah, phone okay. specifically that I could get thirty-five hundred dollars for this car." Yeah, but they won't. So if now. I was told that, then how is that not a thing? Because it's not a thing. Vinny the Spoon didn't have authority to say that. Dakota, it's not a contract. If that's what you're asking, can you hold him to that? Okay, let's ask our attorney. Michael Nimmo is here from Denver Trial Lawyers to talk about, of course, personal injury and stuff. But I want to ask Michael. Michael, you're a lawyer. Uh, she was told on the phone, come on in, we'll give you 3500 Is that a contract? Um, no. There has to be some kind of consideration for that. And There, there also no. has to be proof. He can just say, I didn't say it. Right. <laughs> I mean, oral contracts do exist in Colorado. Well, hold on. I have the authority I love this. to be I love able this. to do No, no. It. Our attorney brought up a point because people ask me all this time, it, it doesn't oral or verbal contract work? Yes. Yeah. That's right. What is a contract? The definition is an agreement of terms. So you can have an oral contract if you both agree on exactly what was said and all of the terms. Yeah, you have an oral contract. Most of the time, that's not why people ask if they have an oral contract. They ask if they have an oral contract because both parties are representing something different. So you don't have an oral contract. Even though they're enforceable, they are literally enforceable only if both parties agree. Yeah, no, I mean, but I'd still disagree or, with that. Or there's evidence. There still has to be authority. If you told me right now that iHeart's going to give me a billion dollars, I can't hold iHeart to that. Well, you know what? There is something called, okay, there is something called an agency. And 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 sometimes, you'll right, Mike, Michael, sometimes uh, they can be held responsible for their agents. Yes, if they if they have the authority on behalf of the company or whoever they're working for as, as an apparent agent. 
That's right. They could be held liable. But uh, so, well, I'm sorry. I just got to understand this. So a checker at Walmart has no. the authority no. to let me walk out with whatever I want? And no one would think that. That's no. not reasonable. But if you're working with a car salesman. But you, to think Vinny the Spoon has the authority? If that's the guy that sold her the car. If Vinny's the guy that, seriously now, he sold her the car. He's been talking to her. He goes into the uh, gen, he goes into finance, comes back and says, we need 500 more or whatever. In the course of this, he is apparently an agent. He signs the contract and you go out the door. Then the next day you come in and complain. He says, you know what? We're going to put you in another car and you all you have to pay is $500. That could, they could hold that dealer liable. True. That's it's exactly possible. what happened, but he never said I had to pay anything else. It's right, exactly but what Dakota, happened. He said, I'm Dakota, let you come in so and we're going to trade if I call him, car. Hold on. If I call him Which right now, or we go to small claims court, this guy will say, yep, I told her that. I said we would do this, and we. I agree. Would he say that? I don't know. He said, Benny Valdez agreed to letting Listen, me trade in my car. Dakota, I'm not asking, value. I'm not asking your perspective. If we ask Vinny the spoon right now, did you agree to this? I'll call and ask. Him. All right, hold on. We'll call and ask. Let, let's just so let's just say this right now, Dakota, you have nothing. I want to tell you the truth. So you don't go off half cocked. You have nothing. You don't have a contract. You don't have a promise. You don't have a right to a refund. You don't have a right to a trade in. You don't have a right to repairs. Not under the strict sense of your as-is purchase, okay? Now, if this guy covered something up and you could prove it, like that transmission was jammed with sawdust or something that was so apparent that you could say, you know, they hoodwinked her. But here's another thing people get wrong. They tell well, me. They did say they said the transmission is actually the problem now, and that it's going to be two thousand dollars to fix. But Dakota, originally- how, how? Okay, well, why does that make them liable? Why? Because I never, they told me that the car was running, that they replaced it the was thermostat. Running. But if it was, if it it was, was the running, then why is that my fault? The car was running, Dakota. <laughs> Do you realize, even if the dealer knew the transmission was bad, they don't have to tell you. They don't. They're not obligated to tell you. Here's what they, they can't do, technically. If you say, hey... How is this car? And he says, oh, man, the transmission was just rebuilt. It's in perfect shape. Or if you said, how's the transmission? They say, it's great. If you can prove that, you might have something because it's a specific promise. But you don't. You have an as-is car. I just, the reason I'm spending so so much time. You know why? Because you are like all the other dumbasses. You don't have a loaded gun and you're holding it to someone's head. It's better to know you don't have a loaded gun so you can use a knife. Hi, Tom Martino, your troubleshooter, 303-713-TALK, 303-713-8255. Did you call the dealership? I did, I did. All right, hold on. Danny's got a comment and on I this. Talked, so I talked to Vinny the Spoon for Vinny, quite a while. Danny's got a comment on Dakota's car. Go ahead, Danny. What's your comment? Yeah, I was just going to say, uh, Tom, you owe them an apology for saying uh, they're, they're an idiot because they do have that dealership by the balls. How? If that car didn't pass emissions in the first three days, then they've got to unwind the You know deal. what, Danny? Danny, I'm not Danny, so sure long Danny, you're right. Emissions. By the way, Danny, in an emissions area, by the way, if you're selling into an emissions area, you are right. If a car 
uh, if during the first three days of the trial period for which you have a voucher, even if you don't have a voucher, in the first three days, if it does not pass emissions, they have to undo the deal. But you said she has them or he has them by the balls, and we don't know that because she never mentioned or he never mentioned the emissions. Never. Okay? So I didn't assume it. But you're right, Danny. That is a hook. So let me ask Dakota, and I apologize, Dakota. I thought you were a heavy-smoking female, but it turns out you're a guy. Uh, is that right or wrong? Am I right? Okay, so Dakota, sorry. I want to know something. Did you get an emissions voucher with that? Is, in Longmont, do you have emissions up there? I did have an emissions voucher, yeah. Okay, and and you got yourself the, the voucher. You had three days to get it checked. Did you get it checked in that three days? I did get it checked. Did it pass? It passed emissions. Ah, damn. Okay, we just were looking for a hook to get you out of it because had it failed emissions, you would have had a really good case for getting that car, that deal unwound. Okay, so what did they say about Dakota's car? Well, Vinny basically said he never said that, and I tried to... See? I I lured him in every possible way. Wait. Well, wait, why didn't you lead with that? Yeah. <laughs> Talk about burying the lead. Really, you do have that on recording. Can My you... friend told me to record it at the time. I also had John with me, John from Bath and Granite. We were both sitting there, and he says, record that conversation. I also messaged him about me trading in my car. Send us a recording. I want to put it up it against on. a recording that I have now of this guy saying he never said it. Dude, seriously, can you send that to us now? Yeah, would you Let's send hammer it to this guy next Renault, hour no, really. if they really have it? If you have proof, I want to know about it. Hang on. I'm Tom Martino. This is getting exciting on the Troubleshooter Show. Plus more from DenverTrialLawyers.com. You have a chance to ask them anything you want about serious injuries and money. This is the Troubleshooter Show. I need somebody. Now, Tom Martino, the troubleshooter. Help me if you can, I'm feeling down. And I do appreciate you being Hi, down. Tom Martino, your troubleshooter. Welcome to the show. 303-713-TALK. 303-713-8255. All right. We're here to help you. And one of the things I do to help you is I... I tell you, good and bad, and the real CBD that works.com can't be beat. It just can't be. And if anybody, you know, you want to, if you found something great, you let me know and I'll check it out. I never say there's only one great thing, but this is the one I found because people are just sending me stuff every day. Real CBD that works.com, they just happen to be out of Golden. They have a pharmaceutical lab there and we love them. Okay, so let's continue in our quest to help people. And we have. The car dealer who says, I never said that. And the consumer says, oh, yes, you did. Here's what I want to impart when it comes to buying a car. If it's important to you, have it put in writing. Not that that's a guarantee, but have it put in writing. Do you know how many times people preface a problem when they call me saying, well, I went to buy this used car. I made it clear that... I needed it for work every day. Or I made it clear that I needed the dependable car for my son. Or I made it clear that I was going on a cross-country trip. What does that supposed to mean? What they're saying is 
that dealer had an obligation to meet my needs because I made it clear. Well, you didn't make it clear because no one remembers everything exactly the same. So put it in writing. If really dealer says or dealer claims car is suitable for a long cross-country drive and in great condition. I mean, put it down, put anything down that they say. If they say, oh, yeah, this transmission was just rebuilt two years ago. Dealer claims transmission rebuilt or says transmission rebuilt. Put it, If it's important, put it down. Don't you think the sales agreement that you ultimately sign, though, probably says this is the final doc? Well, yeah, but any then oral, you, anything you written can, before this is gone. But, but you can amend it. You can amend anything you want. So many people just sign what's in front of them, and they don't understand those words as is. God. And, and, and it's so strong. And why do people always say, well, it was within three days. They have this thought that you can return a car in three days. I know. The right to rescind is the biggest misconception in the world. But let's talk about this. When, there's another thing people say. I had it completely checked out after I bought it. They bought the car, then had it completely checked out. Well, it doesn't work that way. Now, am I saying this to give Dakota a rough time? No. He called. He needed help. He needs help. We talked to the dealer. The dealer says did not do it. Did not promise trade-in on a full value. And even if you prove that they did say it, well, it would give you something, right? A $3,500 value if they promised you a $3,500 trade. But now all they have to do is go and find a car worth about $3,500 and double the price and say, okay, this car is seven grand. We're going to give you $3,500 credit. You can never win. These things suck. Dakota, do you have, however, the guy specifically told us he didn't promise you a $3,500 trade. What did he say? What did he claim to say, Mark? I have the recording if you want to hear it. You do. Go yeah, ahead. Go I can ahead. cue. It'll take me a minute. All right. So well, let's hear what he said, and then we'll hear what Dakota. Dakota, do you have a recording of him promising you this? So I looked back in my phone records, and my friend's phone records every call. Apparently, I had called him a couple times on my phone and once on my friend's phone. In that one call, would that answer on my be no? Phone, um, no, I do have something saying that I was bringing my car in for a refinance so that I could get a new refinance car and that they were towing it in and that I worked with Sprinkler Auto. Oh, that she doesn't matter. Do Bannon you have any promise of them giving you full value 3500 toward another car? I called saying, hey, I'm having my car yes. towed in so I can get no. a new refinance car because my old one broke down. Do you, can I talk to Benny? And Benny's like, yes, we work with Sprinkler Auto. Tell them that we're going to tow your car in. They also never even towed in Dakota, my car. They asked me to pay for I, it. Okay, I'm gonna try, I'll try this in. again. Do you have a recording of anyone telling you they will give you $3,500 in trade in value? I have a recording of me saying I'm towing in my car for that reason, and they agreed to have my car towed I, in I don't for understand. that reason. What, what does it, wait, you have a recording of you saying, hey, I'm towing my car in to trade it in. No, they're towing my car in because my car broke down. All right. They're saying, hey, Dakota, we're towing your car into the dealership, and we're going to take it on trade for full value. 
That is why I was towing it. No, in that's in not what I'm asking. I guess I'll ask this again, Dakota. Does anywhere, anywhere, do the wor- are the words uttered anywhere, anywhere that they are going to give you full value on your trade? Not in this one, no. Okay. Okay, so they, how would you ever prove it? I mean, I mean, Mark was ready to go to battle with him if they promised you that. I got this right. Not that it matters because the traded, the, the car they, they sell you could be a piece of junk too. Okay, go ahead, Mark, play it. This is the car salesman, Vinny. We can't hear it, Mark. You got to turn the mic on. Dakota. Apparently she bought a car and the thing's uh, just not working and you said uh, she could trade it in on something that's working. Then I guess she just heard from the owner or something that she can't. Can you just let me know kind of what is going on? Yeah, so as far as trading it in, that's there. Well, there we can definitely help as far as, as, far as get kind of money for it. Can you turn that up? Um, yeah. Mark, it's, we can't hear. Can you tell us what he said? But that's a good effort. Tell us what he said. Here's what I'll do. I'm going to send it to you, and you can put it through there. Okay. We'll boost it. Yeah, because I'd like to know what he said. He, well, but said. here's the lesson we're learning today. As is, I always say this, the most important words you'll say next to I do. Okay? It, it's really important. As is. Don't accept as is unless you can accept as is. <sighs> There is a, I, I even hate to say this because uh, it splits hairs, but it's as is represented. I'm going to give you a really exaggerated example. There's a car there and they say it's as is. And you pay $4,000. You get in the car and you notice there's no engine in it at all. And... They say, oh, this is not a car. It's a lawn ornament. So you kind of may have something there in this exaggerated example. I want to talk now to Tyler. Tyler, what's happening? It's going on. So basically, uh, me and my wife are trying to purchase a house in the next couple years. Yeah. Or so. Um, and I went through ideal home loans. I know me and my wife's credit isn't the best. Yeah. Um, she, she just had a baby. You know, what's good, old. Tyler. I just want to say this very carefully uh, for people to, to listen. You were not quite ready right at that time because of your credit. Ideal home loans is one of the only lenders I know that will take someone now who wants to buy in one or two years and help them develop a credit portfolio. What, what happened in your case? So basically, um, I reached out to Jim Shaheen. I uh, just got him randomly um, on the phone, and he's just been tremendously helpful. And, you know, he could have just said, you know, screw you. I'm not going to help you. Um, you're not, you don't qualify. You know what I mean? He could have gave me the right. runaround, but right. he didn't. And um, I'm actually going to speak with him today or tomorrow to kind of start to restore our credit and see what we can do further. Isn't that great? Think of the long-term, the long-term customer relation Brent Ivinson and the gang down there have. You can't, they don't pay anything for this. They're going to help these people get a house. Right. My daughter, they helped her repair her credit, build it up, and she was able to buy a home in four months. And get a loan from them. Get a loan, yes. That's pretty cool, Tyler. Thank you for holding to they tell can us also that. do no, rapid rescores. No 
All right. Rapid rescores, what are they, Mark? Explain that to everyone. Well, if there's something that's legitimately not supposed to be there, they can get it reclassified with a new credit number generally the same day. Yep. That's the way it is. Um, a rapid rescore, because normally, you know, having credit repaired takes a long time. Yeah, like if you have something on there from a credit card company saying he was over 60 days, and then you get a letter, what they need from that credit card company saying it's not correct, bam, they can rapid rescore it. Chris Rock had one of the funniest lines. Wasn't me. Uh, when it came to credit. He said, man... I went to that restaurant. The line was so long. By the time I got in, my credit got good. (laughs) I thought that was cool. More coming right up. Hi, Tom Martino, your troubleshooter, 303-713-TALK. We have open, wide open lines and uh, it's a good time to tell you about Frank Duran, therealestateman.com. During uh, this time of year, a lot of people take it slowly when it comes to buying or selling real estate, but you can still talk to Frank. He'll do free market analysis. When he does list your home, he never holds you to a long-term contract. We've had people sign with him and change their minds. He doesn't give you a hard time, no penalties. So uh, he cleans the house, stages the house, and he goes out of his way to show your house he's a proactive marketer. Frank Duran, the real estate man. Dot com 303-920-1622. All right, so uh, we have Denver Trial Lawyers with us today, and uh, they are uh, a personal injury firm for catastrophic injuries, you know, and, and a lot of times people don't know how to define catastrophic, but I'll tell you, they can, and of course, consultations are free. We're, we're talking sometimes verdicts into the dozens of millions, and uh, in either a judgment or a verdict or a settlement, whatever they find best for you and you find best. And recently they had a $5 million settlement with uh, Adams County school district for sexual assault. And now they're taking on something else. It's a sterilization breach at Porter hospital to make a long story short, Porter was not sterilizing stuff adequately. And as a result, uh, there may be many, many injuries yet undisclosed. So, um, like what, in, like needles it, guys, it was in 2018. They, they closed their operating rooms and they acknowledged publicly that this, the, the hospital had a serious problem with the ser- sterilization of, of surgical instruments. The closure was the result of an investigation by the, by the Colorado Department of Health and Environment and the Center for Medicare and Medicaid. Then in February, the Joint Commission investigated and determined that Porter Adventist Hospital was a threat to patient safety. So, you are taking this on have you had already cases with this? Tom, we have a, uh, close to 200 cases. Okay. So uh, there, there are probably thousands of patients that were infected as a result of unsterilized surgical instruments. Uh, we have uh, 200 of them so far. It, the accepted percentage rate is we get about 10% of people who are injured. The rest of them don't either, either don't call a lawyer, don't know they're supposed to call a lawyer, haven't read the news, don't know about the situation. I, I, I want to... Uh really help people with basic law 101 because most people are very very ignorant or they heard from a friend who heard from a friend what is a class action in other words so many people call me and say hey we should 
we should file a class action suit. What is a class action? Okay, a class action is a lawsuit where everyone involved uh, has the same damage. Exactly. So if, let's say, uh, Toyota is selling a car that costs $200 more than it should for, for a defective part, let's say, every person who buys that car uh, has just lost $200 that they shouldn't have lost. That's the basis for a class action. It is brought by individuals who represent thousands of people. So it's a, the key to the, to the term is class. You define a class. So who defines that? In other words, when two or three people come to you, um, they don't necessarily do a class action. They just want damages. So do, they, do you guys as attorneys say... We may have a class here. Exactly. So once someone comes to us, uh, such as the Porter Hospital situation, yeah. there were uh, 6,000 letters sent out to patients who had surgery at Porter Hospital in a three-year period. All of those people received a letter telling them, you have been exposed to HIV and hepatitis, and you need to get tested to make sure you don't have those things. Everyone had that, the exact same damage. They received that letter and had to go get tested. So you knew there was a class there. Do you, as a law firm, have to get this sanctioned by the court? Exactly. So what we do is we, you start with a, a few class representatives. Uh, you file that lawsuit on behalf of three people. Right? We filed for three people so far. And then we ask for class certification, asking the court to say those three people properly represent an entire group of 6,000 people. So then you can open up a class action. So if you have three that came to you and then an additional 100, but you know there are thousands out there, do you settle for the 103, 103, or do you uh, get a, a settlement much bigger in escrow for the future. So both. What happens is uh, those people who were actually injured, who, who were determined to have HIV, have hepatitis, or suffer some kind of horrible infection in their spine, in their hip, in their knee, some, somewhere in their body where they had surgery, those people will get excluded from the class because a so-called class rep is represented is three people representing thousands who had the exact same injury. So anyone who has an infection, they can't be represented by somebody else. So what happens is when you have, uh, if the court certifies the class, eventually any money paid will be paid to that entire group of 6,000 people. And it is our responsibility to make sure that they all know about this class settlement. Know so that they all share the same, even the first original cases. Yes, those the, those who were not injured. Now, we ha we our firm is actually representing both types of cases. When you say those who were not injured, um, so if you're part of the class, you still get money? Uh, theoretically, yes, because what you've gone through is you've had you've had the scare of do I have okay. HIV? Have I given HIV to my wife or my girlfriend? Uh, do I have so hepatitis? So it's the potential. But are there classes that limit it to actual damages? Uh, what the, In other words, if you were not injured, you're not part of the class. Um, no, not exactly. So anyone who had surgery at Porter Hospital and received a letter saying you yeah. were subject to or exposed you're to HIV, going to be, you will have an award. If the court says that it's a class, yes, okay, we are still waiting for that. Okay, but what if someone in that class had extraordinary injuries and someone else had minor injuries? Do they both get the same amount? So those who had what you just called extraordinary injuries get removed from the class and okay. they have their own case. And, and you handle those too? Right. Those are the 200 I'm talking about. We have 200 people. Extraordinary. Who, oh, their damages are unbelievable. People who have horrible MRSA infections in their spines or that moved up into their brain. So when you say uh, for a class, exactly. 
uh, injury. What if someone has uh, MRSA in the elbow, another one has staph in the knee? Are they identical? They No, and they are outside of the class then. They have their own separate lawsuits, and we have, that's what so I told you about. So is the class for those who were lesser damaged, basically? Yes. I, that's, a, that's a good way to put it. I mean, the, classes? The, yes. There's more of them, but they did suffer lesser damage because they were lucky enough to not develop an infection. So they're consolidated for efficiency of the court and lawyer's time and all of that. Exactly. And then there's a fund set up, usually. Uh, that's the goal. Now, how do you predict what that? how many victims there will be? Well, we know when we're talking about the class side, the, the people who did not get an infection, we know that 6,000 letters went out. So that was Porter's decision as to who was most likely to be subject to HIV or hepatitis. Can 6, you have a people. class that's defined and later found to be underestimated and you go and amend it? Yes, and I think that's going to happen in this case. I think that uh, 6,000 is grossly underestimating the number of people who were exposed. Now, once you start a class... Is that because you think the time period of them not cleaning stuff properly was longer? That Yes, that's one of the main reasons. What we uh, Porter admitted to originally was that starting in July, a, a certain date in July of 2016 is when they uh, admit they stopped properly sterilizing instruments. We are starting to see evidence that that is not the accurate date. That actually goes way back to 2013 or 14. Okay, so so with a class, though, um, you start a class. It's recognized by the courts. Can another law firm start a class, too? No. Well, a class is, once you have a class action, it represents all people for, that suffered the exact same damage, and there cannot be a second class action for that. Even, okay. in, even in different states? Uh, well, I guess theoretically, if um, the answer is if it's in another state, it would be in another state. But these these are Porter patients that are here in Colorado. But normally, if you do have um, a diversity like that of clients, you would do it in federal court anyway, right? I mean, uh, there is a lot of intricacies there. We are doing this one in state court because most no, I, of I the patients but are But if here. you did have like a nationwide all over. Yes. If there's a nationwide damage, it would be in federal court somewhere. So we have more to talk about. Jim, I'll get right to you and more. Jim is holding 303-713-TALK. If you call, I'll take your call right away. 303-713-8255. Hi, I'm Tom Martino, your troubleshooter. Listen, it's really important you know about this class action shoot by DenverTrialLawyers.com. Go to their website. It'll talk about it. It's a breach of sterilization. And in other words, the hospital Porter Adventist did not adequately... Um, sterilized equipment during a certain period of time. And there were many people who had direct damages. I mean, they got all kinds of infections. And even though um, I'm, I'm not going to get into the legal definition of class, you contact Denver trial lawyers and they feel if you have an injury that should be fought on its own because it merits more damages, they're going to they're gonna take that too. So it's just really one stop to find out if you're affected. You're definitely affected no matter what if you were a patient. Isn't that right, Joe? You don't have to have injury at all to be part of the class. Uh, exactly. If a patient had surgery at Porter Hospital over a three-year three period from mid-2016 to early 20, uh, April of 2018, they, are, uh, they should be part of the class because they should so, have received a letter. Anyone. Now, not just surgery, but a procedure, right? So the, or is it only surgery? The class action itself is only for people who received a letter warning them that they were exposed to HIV and hepatitis. Well, did you uh, receive a letter, Clint? Because you went, okay, I wonder why he didn't receive a letter if he went for his um, frostbite, which later turned into MRSA. Why would you think? Because it wasn't surgery? So uh, when the Department of Health 
captured this whole information, caught Porter uh, not sterilizing instruments. There was a negotiation. Porter sent out letters uh, with permission from the Department of Health only to patients who had orthopedic and spine surgery, a specific category of patients. Clint had didn't have surgery, but instead developed an infection from a different kind of procedure. So he would not have received a letter, but he was grotesquely injured, damaged, because he had an infection. So we should let people know that, too, then. Even if you didn't receive a letter, if you had any dealings with Porter where they did surgery or some kind of procedure or stitches or whatever, and it was at Porter during that time, you could be part of the class. Not part or, of the class. Me, or you could have a, a case there against you go. that. There you go. And we have, we have uh, that's the one I was talking about. We have about 200 of those patients who had, they're not part direct of the class. Damage. Right. Direct bad damages, severe damages. And, and that, this is really important, okay? You don't have to worry whether or not you're a part of the class or not. Denver trial lawyers can figure that out for you, okay? You don't even have to worry about that. If you had dealings with Porter during that time, call them. That's really the easiest message. Or before guys? that time. Exactly, because we now are seeing evidence that okay. Porter was not sterilizing instruments going back to as early as 2013 and 14. And uh-huh. so patients who got infections as far back as 2013 or 14 should call us. Rick, you have a, a letter. My daughter um, had hip surgery, um, torn labrum, and she had surgery at Porter Hospital. Um, it was two or three years ago. She did get the letter. And I and she went and got tested and she was fine. So she still does she still get into the the class action? Rick, the answer is yes. She if she got the letter, she got tested. She was she and her husband, let's say, were scared that they might have HIV or or hepatitis. She had that damage. If you remember, she was probably frightened for a while that oh my god, I just got a letter saying I might be exposed to hepatitis and HIV. And she doesn't have to prove in the class her specific worry level. Okay, uh, it, it, she's just part of the class or not. And the fact that she got that letter puts her in the class. I want to have another question. This is interesting with Rick and everyone else. Um, I, I'd like to know um, if you were touch, you had nothing. You get the false impression you're not part of the class. Exactly. I wasn't injured. It doesn't require an injury to be part of the class. It doesn't require a physical injury right. to be a part of the class. Because they think about it, they uh, Rick's daughter had to go get blood tested. That right there is your physical yeah. injury. In this class where people dealt with Porter during this period of time, um, does Porter now, is it already a foregone conclusion that there will be damages or... Do you now, once you get the class together, go to court? Uh, both. So there is, Porter has, in the letter that they sent out to Rick's daughter and, and 6,000 other people, they they acknowledge that these people were injured, meaning we realize this has caused you great stress and great concern. Uh, we know you're worried that you may have been exposed to these diseases. There's the, the, uh, the damage that they've already acknowledged. So the next step after that is to figure out how many people were um, received this letter, and uh, once we wait for the court to certify the class, then uh, we begin to talk to Porter about how they're going to compensate these thousands of people. Oh, so that's not yet decided. Correct. Wow. 303-713-8255. Rick, do you have a specific question other than what you've asked? Um, so what if she doesn't have that letter anymore? It, if she received the letter, Rick, we have the, a way of obtaining it. So Porter has a list of all those thousands of people, including your daughter, and Porter will be required to produce that letter 
uh, as, as long as the class is certified. So she doesn't have to still have it in order to be part of the class. Okay. Well, what happens if the judge says no to right, the right. class? If the so that's and that's a possibility. The judge may say no. A, a class, the class members cannot represent Rick's daughter and thousands of other people because everyone reacted differently. If that happens, then we, we will have what's called now. It's a different thing. It's called a mass action instead of a class action. You're 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 basically. Uh putting a class together, it has not yet been sanctioned, right? Exactly. So what we are putting together really is a group of patients that hopefully can to consider represent a class else. action. Exactly. All right. And uh, Jim, I, you waited and I didn't want you to wait any longer. What What do you uh, need to know? Um, I, I've been hearing on the TV about these title locks, property title locks. Yeah. I was wondering if you knew anything about them. You don't need it. You don't need it. No. So, okay, listen. Um, I'll give you a little caveat to that. Hold on. Hold on. For all the times that you ain't on my parade. Tom Martino here, 303-713-TALK, 713-8255. We're talking about a lot of things today. I'll take other calls as well, of course, but we are talking about a class action suit being considered against Porter Hospital for lack of sterilization, which caused a lot of damages and concern. And whether you had damages or not, if you were treated at Porter Hospital at all uh, during a time uh, from, uh, what, mid-2016 to when? Let's talk to Denver Trial Lawyers, and this is... David Woodruff, Tom. David Woodruff uh, with the firm, and uh, what would you say, the time, roughly the time? Well, all right, so we're talking about two different kinds of cases. The class action are those... I want them to consider them, though. Anyone anyone who had surgery uh, starting in about 2013 or 14 and developed an infection after their surgery should call us because it. we now are seeing evidence that Porter was having problems with sterilization going back to 2013 and 14. Okay, so from 2013 and 14 forward. But here's another thing. Even if you didn't have injury, that's what I was trying to get at. Um, if you've dealt with them in an in a emergency room or, or urgent or, or surgery, there is still a class being considered for them. Okay, so the class is only considered for those who receive the letter. Okay, that's it. You have to have a letter. So if you received a letter, you're part of the class. Now I understand that. So if you didn't receive a letter, you're not going to be a part of the class. That's right. Unless you have actual damages, then you'll have your own case. Exactly. But you don't have to worry about that. To be very simple, just denvertriallawyers.com. It's that simple. Read about it and call them if you have any questions. They are certainly, and people are asking for the number, even though I'm giving out the website. So here's the number. 303-571-5302. 303-571-5302. So, title locks. Jim. A title lock is much like a credit lock. What it says is this. If any action whatsoever is taken on your title, anyone tries to record a lien, anyone tries to record an easement, anyone who, or not an easement, but anything that can be recorded, it will trigger an alert to you. It can't prevent it. It just triggers an alert. Okay. So. And then and then you can prevent it by simply saying this is not authorized. And then the person wanting to file it would have to prove it is authorized. Now, why do people do that? Well, I'll tell you why. Where a lock comes in handy. Okay. If you, no one looks at their deed. No one goes and gets a copy of their deed, nor do they know what's recorded at any given time. So let's say you had a dispute with a, with a, a guy, a lawn guy, and he settled with you 
for 80% of the job, a big, big landscaper. And then he went to the courthouse without you knowing it and filed a lien. What if, what if you, what if some guy just files a lien and claims to have been owed money? Or some crooked mortgage lender says you took out a second, and that has happened. Then all of a sudden, you are refinancing, or you are getting a divorce, or you are in the midst of something where a title is examined, and you notice there's been something recorded that is not authorized. Now, I will tell you why I think you don't need a title lock. A title lock keeps you abreast of the changes. It does not... And listen clearly, it does not prevent it. You have to take, you have to be proactive to prevent it. And here's how easy it is to prevent it. You go and say, prove it. If they can't prove it, they can't lean it. But now let's listen. Why I think you don't need it. Let's say I am not aware of a lien on my home. At such time, I discover it. I can fight it then. So, you know, that's, it's that simple. I can fight it then. So you might say, well, what if they try to foreclose? Well, then you become aware of it. And no one's going to try to foreclose. Well, very few people would try to foreclose on a lien that's not valid because in the first hearing, they're going to be kicked out. That's my okay. personal, that's my personal opinion about title locks. It's much like a credit monitoring service. It's not really a lock. Okay, so this is something I can check out online to see if something like this has occurred. By the way, a credit a lock, a credit lock is more effective because that actually can block anyone from pulling a credit report on you no. until you give right. until you give a PIN number. I'm not talking about a, a, a soft pull. I don't want to complicate things, but it prevents yeah. anyone from tampering with your credit. Um, but people can still. All I was going to say is people can still add to your credit. Oh yeah, that's right. If you that's exactly right. If if you're not paying your rent or something, they can they can besmirch you uh or they can report good stuff. Here's the other thing. Um a soft pull they can do. A soft pull. Explain what that is, Mark. Well, they just get very basic information, like maybe even just a credit score itself. Or they want to send out a notice to everyone who has a certain score, right? Or yeah. people who are actively paying mortgage payments. And I'm not even sure with the, with the true credit lock through the three big ones, I'm not even sure you can get a soft score. I've tried to just grab oh, a really? credit card real quick, and I have to unlock everything. Oh, give you I know, where, I know okay. who can get them. I know who can get them. And, that, and that, that brings up a good point. No one can just go in and get a soft pull, but people you have an existing business relationship with. That's right. Many of your credit card companies, without you knowing it, and a lot of people that you do business with on a regular basis with credit, sometimes do a yearly report or a, a biannual report. Yeah, any revolving credit. Yeah, if you have a pre-existing case, a credit lock does not count against them. But listen, a title lock is just what I said. It's not even a lock. No one can prevent somebody from recording something. I, I mean, what they can do is be disputed. So I have one more question. Yes. And that is, can, is so this is something I can go to the county and just check the record. You can do it every month basis. if you want. Yeah. Once how, it's been filed. Okay. By the way, how much do they want for this service? Uh, $15 a month. Oh, forget you know, Bill O'Reilly's pushing That's a that lot. stuff now. That's a lot of money. Now, listen, is it useless? Not if it records. No, I mean, it keeps you aware, but I, I don't, listen, I, I don't like it. 15 bucks a month is a lot of money. 
I'm Tom Martino. We have more coming up. This is the Troubleshooter Show. Help, I need somebody. Now, Tom Martino, the Troubleshooter. Help me if you can, I'm feeling down. Hi, I'm Tom Martino, your Troubleshooter. 303-713-TALK, 303-713-8255. This hour brought to you by RealCBD, thatworks.com. That's really all you need to know, but... I am going to say they're golden and golden. They have a lab. It's pharmaceutical grade stuff and it works for anxiety, for sleep, for pain, real CBD that works.com. And it's Panacea, by the way, is the name of the company, Panacea Life Sciences. Listen, this is really important. I have people waiting. I'm going to get to Jennifer, who only has a little time. And then I want to talk to our class action attorney, because there are people out there, even if you don't have damages, you may be part of the class. We're going to tell you how to find out about the Porter Hospital action that DenverTrialLawyers.com is bringing. DenverTrialLawyers.com is their website, DenverTrialLawyers.com. So, uh, Jennifer, I'll take you, because apparently... You held yesterday. You only have a few minutes. Let's talk. What's going on with you, dear? Well, I, thank you for taking my call. I went to um, the Eastern Plains Community Pantry in Callahan uh, in August uh, because we needed a few items. And a woman was there making a donation of a drone toy. And I walked over and picked it up to look at it. And the donor said to the volunteer, her name is Deb, she said, ma'am, that lady's taking my things. So I put it back down on the table, and I said, oh, no, I was just looking at it. I thought you were donating it. And the volunteer said, well, that has to be checked out first by Peggy. She may want to save it for Christmas. And I said, why does Peggy have to look at it first? And the volunteer said, I don't have to answer that. I said, well, Jennifer, may I, let, yeah. let me clarify a few things. This community pantry is a food bank. It's a food bank. It's a place you can go to get I, clothes. I got you. And you were there to pick up stuff for your kids or for the family? Yes, sir. Okay. Now, while you were there, you thought a woman donated this drone. Right. She was, I thought she I get it. I get it. And then table. you picked it up to look at it. Correct. Okay. Are things in this market or this pantry, are they purchased by people in need or are they given no, to sir. They're given. Okay. Now, does that include food and clothing and other things like drones and yes. dolls and stuff like yes. that? Yes, sir. Okay. So this, so so by you picking it up and looking at it, somebody assumed you were going to walk out with it. The lady who was donating it. Okay. But was she donating it or not? She was donating it. Then why would she care if you took it since you... And she probably wanted a kid to have it, not an adult. It could be that simple. Well, it could be she was giving it to her kid for Christmas. What I want to know is this. How do they qualify people to come there and get stuff free? I, I, um, to, get my, to pick up my commodities and things like that, I've had to show my ID and I give them proof of my um, income. How do you give them proof? Like, once you give them proof, do you? I, how do you give them proof? I, say, I, I showed them my reward letter for food stamps. Okay. Now, do you have to do that every time you go, or are you given no, some, sir. you're given an, an, an ID card or something? What, how do they know the next time you go there? Um, well, you don't have, you, you can go in there, pick up anything you need, and walk out the door and never say a word to anyone. But if you want to pick up your commodities or get emergency food, you have to be, um, you know, signed up. So you're okay, but what about if you want, what about if you want a toy for your daughter? You can just take it and leave? Yes, yes, there's a toy section, but I, I, 
Okay, so anyone can walk in and take toys and leave. It's part of the community pantry. Toys, clothes, household items. Right, but to get food, you need to have proof of low income. Uh, To get your commodities there. Okay, um, all right. Now, what is the big deal that you picked up a drone and this woman thought you were going to take it and you all you had to say was i'm sorry i thought you were donating it have a nice day i said oh i didn't mean anything by it right my 12 my 12 year old son has his birthday on the 19th or something like this would be great and the donor um uh i mean the volunteer said well peggy has to check it out first i said okay um why does peggy have to look at it she said I don't have to answer that. I said, well, I didn't mean anything by it. Well, and she probably doesn't have to answer that. Jennifer, other than having, Jennifer, other than having your feelings hurt. You could look at it. Jennifer, other than having, other than having your feelings hurt, what's going on right now? Were you charged with a crime? No, the next time I tried to go in to to pick up a CZ, they said that I couldn't come back in after my explosion and that, um, if I tried to come back, they told the cops on me. Okay, I, so I, you're I, I ban- like, are you banned I, from there? Are you banned from there? Yes. And I didn't do any... Uh, I, I told the lady, well, I was just hoping maybe you could look at it instead of Peggy because my son's birthday is on the Okay, 19th. so Jennifer, you're asking us after the fact to go in there and try to change their perception, but I want to say something. Yeah, they They perceived... They perceived... That you overreacted or exploded. Why? I don't know. I, nothing like that happened. I'm a very calm, very nice person. Jennifer, I've never been a Jennifer, Jennifer. Yes. No one is ever 100% as they perceived. No one. No one. Nothing happens 100% from our viewpoint. Listen, I swear to God, I was at a party one time. I swear to you that this woman said, Tom Martino, I hate you, and punched me in the face. I swear to God it happened. And you know what? Hold on. Then, then she accused me of trying to swing at her first. I swear. Okay, no one saw that. But her friend said, no, I think you were kind of raising your hand a little. And I said, what? And so, listen, while I thought... They're they're one thousand percent wrong. They were right. I wasn't raising my hand to hit her, but I remember what I did. I was going to point and talk. I gestured, and but I wasn't going to hit her. I don't think she thought I was going to hit her. I just thought they made that up. But it's never as I said. I was very calm. I was, and I said, "How dare you? Con- you know, confront me in public." Blah blah blah. So what I'm saying is, is That's that you. I don't care if you think it doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter just what they think. It matters what resulted. And 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 why would they make this up is, is what I'm going to ask you. Why would they come up with this story? Mr. Martino, I can tell you almost verbatim what happened that day. I, I'm not I'm not asking. Jennifer, okay, I'm gonna put you on hold. Jennifer, I swear to you, I don't need a story. In order to have credibility, we need motivation. I want to know why they decided that they wanted to make up a story about you overreacting so they could ban you. Why would they do that? It makes no sense. I can only conclude that they thought you overreacted and exploded. I'm not saying you did. I am saying 
I think they perceived it. That's is that possible? Look, well, sir, all uh, that was a complete conversation. What I just told you, that was a complete conversation with the volunteer. I'm asking so you, Jennifer. Jennifer, may I ask you a question without you going back to the beginning of time? I'm asking a yes, question. Sir. Here's what it yes. is. Why do you think they concocted a story about you exploding in order to ban you? Why? Sir, I'm baffled. Mr. Martino, I am baffled. There was only one volunteer in there. She's the only volunteer I spoke to. But you say you she... say they're lying, right? No, well, I'm just saying that I, I don't understand why she would say that because neither I do I. Was, neither do I. What I said to her, and well, that's hold I on. You. Did you try to hold apologize? On. I did, and she said, "Well, you're going to have to talk to Cheryl." Okay, listen, Jennifer. I I yeah. think. I think just by hearing one side of the story that you probably overreacted. But I just, I told you verbatim. I think, Jennifer, you didn't hear me say you did anything wrong. I don't think you should be banned, but you probably overreacted. You probably did. It took me years. It took me years to figure out what overreacting meant. And it didn't mean what I thought it meant. It means what other people think. Perception is reality. Listen, it is. I don't want to. It doesn't matter if if I say, oh, no, I'm a kind, gentle, wonderful person. If everyone perceives me differently, I can't call them all wrong. And or I can't even call one person wrong. They might be more sensitive. I'm saying I don't think. They made this up and have a conspiracy to keep you out of the community pantry. Mr. Martino, I did not raise my voice. I did not speak in harsh tones. I did not say harsh things. I, I, I went to the lady who was donating it, and I told her, I said, man, it's just my son is going to have his Jennifer, birthday. And- Jennifer, you've told me this now five times. And what I'm saying to you is, I don't care how you perceive it. It doesn't matter. What matters is how they perceived it. Do you understand that how you perceived it does not play into this? Because you are banned. If we want to get you back in there, we have to figure out why they perceived it that way and explain to them you did not mean it to be perceived that way. You don't deny what they feel. You figure out why they feel that way. Do you hear the difference? You, yes, you don't sir. deny it. You can't deny people's feelings because as soon as you do that, they put up a wall. So what you do is you try to look through their eyes and you try to figure out why are they perceiving it this way. When you figure that out, you can deal with it. But you are not attempting to do that. Now, uh, I want Daphne to call. I know Deputy Clint offered to call. Daphne is the, this is made for Daphne. That's it. You understand the circumstances, right, Daph? We don't. I got it. We're not trying to convince them she didn't act inappropriate. She is sorry for it and didn't mean for it to go that way. What can she do to get back in there? Let's just talk about it. Tom Martin.
Martino here, 303-713-TALK, 713-8255. We're making that call to the food pantry. Also, we're going to talk to everyone on the line. Do not leave right now. You will get, be taken. But I want to uh, talk once again to um, David Woodruff from Denver Trial Lawyers. .com. If you put a .com, you get to their site. About this case, basically we want to make it simple. They will decide where you belong and, and what the damages should be along with you once you contact them. But who should contact them? All you're hearing, a lot of you, is Porter Adventist Hospital. So I'll leave that for you, David. Who would you like to hear from? I want to hear from anyone who uh, went to Porter Hospital and developed an infection between 2013 and 2019. If you developed an infection, then if you got, now there's another group, and those are the ones that got a letter. Those are the ones who received a letter because they had surgery between 2016 and 2018, and they received a letter from Porter, and they turned out to not have any uh, infection or any disease. They still want to hear from you, okay? Mainly the ones who have actual infections or complications as a result of dealing with Porter, but also if you got a letter and you got the letter and you don't have injuries or you're not sure you have injuries, contact them. Now, this intake number is 303-571-5302. 303-571-5302. And their website is denvertriallawyers.com. So... That's where we stand. Thank you very much for being here. I'm going to ask if I can cut and paste maybe some of your website uh, information onto our social you media. You bet. So uh, we're on referralist.com. Also, of course, Facebook and YouTube. All right. Let's talk to um, uh, Jennifer again. Uh, unless, do you have a, did you talk to them? Dad? I am waiting for a oh, call okay. back. So, so hold, hold on. on. Hold on, Jennifer. I'm going to go to Nancy now. She wants to talk about siding and mold. What's going on, Nancy? Well, I'm in the process of obtaining estimates um, and evaluation if there is any water damage. What happened? To the sheathing. Well, I'm, I'm just in the process of getting them. Okay. And you were on earlier this week, though. I want you to have a, bring our listeners up to date. What's going on? I hired a contractor mm-hmm. um, in October right. to do the roofing and also siding. Right. And he was, um, um, then, and the cost of the siding he kind of threw in uh, the price was low. Yeah. It was an enticement to get me to do. So roofing is complete, but with the siding, they only did part of it. That's right. They took the siding off on November 20th, six hours prior to a forecasted snowstorm. Of right. And the question was, are they negligent in doing so? And would they be responsible for damages? And I want to say this. In many or most cases, I'm not saying yours. In most cases, it's not negligent to start a job and to try to finish it before a storm it it is it would be negligent in some cases if they stripped everything off a roof or the side of a house and knew they wouldn't be back for 2 weeks uh, in this case i believe there was some complications you had asked about a permit was this the one where you asked about a permit yes okay and they're going to claim you stopped the job because you wanted them to produce a permit and the permit takes weeks to get and that's why they stopped you wouldn't let them work i don't want to even go there because what i said was let's first determine do you even have damages and if you do how much are those damages and can you get siding done without a lot of trouble because i want to mention something about mold just very quickly, I don't want to get into it again, but mold is sadly exaggerated. In most cases, 
if they're circulating air and there's mold and you dry it up, meaning you don't use, you don't use anything. All you do is it's, is you take away the water. That mold will eventually go away. Now, if there's a lot of it, you want to seal it. You don't even have to remove it. You can remove it or seal it and just take away the food source. The food source is what creates and keeps mold growing. Mold will never spread without continuing supply of water, period. My question to Ted at K&H Home Solutions, I said, Ted, would you do us a favor and look at this home? What we would like to know is first, do you think there's any damages there? Do you think this job can simply be resided without any major problem? Because that other contractor and this and this homeowner are going to part ways. It, will it be difficult to put siding, or do you have to do a lot of cleanup as a result of mold or anything else that happened? So, Ted, what do you think? Hi, Tom. Um, you know, I think that uh, she needs to evaluate whether the sheeting. Uh, has been compromised with water, and if it has, just replace the sheathing and then go ahead and get it recited. Okay, now, when around the windows, what did you find yeah. around windows? Well, they, uh, they put the house wrap up around the windows, and they put, uh, on some of them, they put some casing around there. Why did they put it. casing on before replacing the siding? Well, because they, they're probably going to butt the siding up to the casing. Isn't that a weird way of doing it, or is that a good? Is that accepted? You know, it, it's accepted. If, if there's not uh, with that kind of siding, you need to put some kind of casing up there to finish it. I mean, but don't. But can't you put the siding up and then put casing over it? You can, but if the windows aren't uh, set far enough out, it's going to look pretty weird. Oh, it's gonna, okay. You know, catch catch moisture there. So I, I guess what I'm asking is this: not not whether they cause damage, but the work that was done, did it look substandard to you, the work that was already done? Uh, it wasn't uh, done properly. For, for instance, I sent you some pictures. They didn't do any flashing. They took the siding down to the oh, deck. Well, deck forget that. They didn't do any flashing there. Oh, yeah. So, you know, that's just stuff. These guys are roofers that think that they can hang siding because it's just a roof. I see, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying here, and I see what you said about the casing. So basically, uh, it was improperly done to begin with. So now the next question. If she called to get siding done, would this cost more than normal because of the state it's in? Uh, boy, probably not tons more. Uh, it, again, it, it depends on if the sheathing needs to be replaced Well, let's say, let's just say, worst case scenario, all the sheathing needs to be redone. Would that substantially run the price up? It would add to the price substantially, uh, like, like probably about uh, 15%. Do you know what it would cost on a house like this to side with a pretty good siding? Uh, Comparable to what she has there. Well, what she has is, uh, you know, it, it becomes a judgment call. I'm not, I mean, I mean, I mean, to what they were going to do is what I mean. Um, what, yeah. what would it cost roughly to side a house? It, listen, t- Listen, if you don't want to say it, I don't mind, Ted. I'm just curious if you give us a ballpark. Yeah, she's gotten quotes about uh, four to $5,000. And that's pretty accurate. 
Probably in the ballpark, yeah. Now, if she had to add sheathing, how much would that add to it? Probably another seven hundred to a thousand dollars. Yeah. So you see, here's what I think, Nancy. I truly believe this is not. I mean, if they're not charging you for siding, they did the roof, and you guys parted company. I don't really think it's worth going after, even if they were at fault. And I don't think you can say they were at fault. They're going to say you, you stopped them because they didn't have a permit. I, but I didn't stop them. The, when, when they were, no, I didn't um, say you did. I said they're going to, to say, here's what I said. I don't like moving on when you don't get what I said. They're going to say you stopped them. I didn't say you did. That's what they're going to say. So let's move on from there. What would you do if you went after them? What is your claim for negligence? Um, because they didn't properly um, shield the around the windows. And and did, um, you heard, Ted, the maximum damage is 700 uh, to 1,000. Yes, and then they, they were only going to charge me 1,500. To do the cost for the for the siding replacement, fifteen hundred was under bid. It, it was it was an enticement to use them for the. Roofing. I, I understand that, but you got the roof done, and the roof is a good job. So, really, what I'm getting at is this, Nancy: you have no damages here, really. You, it, the, at the most, if now that's if it has to be resided with, I mean, resheathed. If mm-hmm. you got about seven, eight, maybe a thousand dollars at the most, but that's if. You don't have, even though you don't like the company, that's it. Even though they bid fifteen hundred, that doesn't mean you have to find someone to do it for fifteen hundred. If they underbid it and walked away, what do you have? Can you make them do it for fifteen hundred? That's called specific performance. There's almost never been a successful bid or lawsuit for specific performance. That's where you say to someone, "Your Honor." This company promised to do it for $1,500. I have a contract. I want a court order making them do it. Whenever that happens, it's almost always a disaster because they don't have their heart in it. I guess what I'm asking, what do you want right now? What do you want? Well, I would like for um, the the contractor to um, pay for the difference between his price of doing the siding and another company. Because he underbid it. So because it's going to cost five or six thousand, why would they ever owe you more money? How did that ha- how is that a damage to you? Um, well, Nancy, I'm, guess- you understand this is a discussion for consumers listening that I am not taking a stance here. I am truly asking questions. Hold on. All right. Just hold on. Tom Martino, your troubleshooter, 303-713-TALK, 713-8255. Okay, so you know we've been following this one family, and uh, we want to give you an important update on that. But first, I want to finish up uh, with Nancy and the mold and the siding. I I really, I need to uh, just give her some valuable information, I believe. Jennifer, um, we're waiting for a call back on the community pantry and why you were ejected, or we know why. They felt you overreacted and you shouted and exploded. And we're going to try to figure out if we can get you back there if you need it for your family. And I want to thank K&H 
uh, KH Home Solutions. That's khwindows.com, their website for helping us out with that inspection. So, Nancy, I guess I want to ask you again. This is uh, this is a uh, a case where Nancy had a roofer bid the siding. They bid the siding for fifteen hundred a deal because they were doing the roof, and then it turns out uh, she doesn't want them to do the siding, and they don't want to do the siding. I think they don't want to do it because they underbid it. But whatever the reason, she was concerned that the siding was left off for a long period of time. And Ted at K&H Home Solutions said, look, this is not going to be a big deal. Um, he said he wasn't sure. Most likely, it doesn't feel like the sheathing was affected. But even if it was, an entire job for all new sheathing would be 700 to to 1,000. So, and and I, I bet you that it, it'll not even be near that. You might need a couple sheets replaced. Who knows? What I'm getting at is this. This entire job um, they walked away from, and it's over. But for some reason, because they bid 1500 you believe they owe you the difference between that and the real price. So if the real price is uh, like, let's say, $4,500, you think they owe you three grand? Yeah, three or four. But but why? How do you calculate that as a damage? The the judge would say, uh, Jennifer, uh, or excuse me, Nancy. Um, why do they owe you that money? They did not do the job. They they underbid it. So I don't get why they owe you extra money. If the real job cost, let let me put it to you another way. Let's say you have never met these people. They just did your roof. And you had someone come there and give you a siding estimate. And they say that the estimate is 4500 You would have paid 4500 mm-hmm. The only difference is that now you had someone say they could do it for 1500 So for some reason, you feel you're damaged. The fact that you, if someone bids something and then they decide, you know what? We can't do this job. We underbid it. You have two, two um, possibilities. One, you say you underbid it. Well, guess what? You better do it, and you get the court to order them to do it for that price. It's called specific performance. Again, it almost never works because you don't ever want someone forced to do something. The next mm-hmm. thing is damages. And if it's, and I don't see how the fact that it costs more is a damage to you. The only time I could see that happening is this. Let's say... There was a one-week period you had to have this done. You had to have it done, or the HOA wouldn't let you do it. I don't know. This is a crazy example. But, and then they said, oh, don't worry. We'll do it for 1500 Then it came to that day, and they said, oh, never mind. We can't do it. And as a result of that, uh, you had to hire someone for more because it was a, a rush job. Then you might have a case. Or, or let's say... Everyone could have done it for 1500 but these guys did not do it. And in the meantime, let's say, because of that, uh, there was a price increase on materials. Then you would have something because they cost you that. They did not get it done when they were supposed to. But the fact that these guys did not get it done when they were supposed to does, is not costing you an extra dime of what it would have cost anyway. 
Mm-hmm. It's it just, and, I, and again, I don't even know why I'm wasting my time. I just, I guess I want people to understand how they calculate losses. And, and I'm giving you opinions, not legal opinions. I don't know if you could ever find any court ever to agree to that. Oh, he, what if the guy said, you know what, Nancy, we can do that for $100. What's this thing, insurance? Oh, that's the one I want. Okay, thank you guys for bringing that up. Nancy, was this whole thing an insurance claim? The roof was, the siding was not. Why was the siding not? Was it not damaged? Well, there were just a few areas of um, that were water damaged, and they were only going to charge you fifteen hundred, and I have a deductible. Uh, oh, I get what you, I get what you're saying, but I'll bet you, had you had this examined by a public adjuster, one of our people, you would have had tons of damages that this guy didn't even notice. Hey, Mark, is it too late to have a public adjuster? How long ago was your loss? The storm. Um, the, the storm for the roof, I'm not really sure when it happened, but I don't think that this was storm related. Okay, fine. Well, the best to you, Nancy, I don't think you'll ever get losses for the difference in the bid. I don't think so. In fact, if you do, if you actually can get a judgment for the difference, I will be shocked. I'll be shocked. Now, I want to tell you about Delilah and her family and the rental Coming up, this is an amazing story, right? We're following it along. That scumbag, Mark Wakefield, took $9,200 from them, and she thought she was renting from him. It turns out he doesn't even own the property. Now her family is facing the holidays with the threat of having to move in a couple days. Hi, Tom Martino, your troubleshooter, 303-713-TALK, 713-8255. Okay, one thing at a time, all right? Delilah and her update needs to hold on till we have a little more time, but I want to get Jennifer. Jennifer said that uh, that this uh, East, is it East Plains Community Pantry, that they basically kicked her out because she overreacted and she was exploded over a situation where she was accused of trying to take something. It was a drone she thought was being donated. She said she picked it up to look at it and the woman assumed she was trying to take it and there was a scuffle. And of course, she says she never, ever, ever, ever uh, overreacted. In fact, she hung up, didn't she? Did she just hang up? She She did. But when she found out we actually had someone from the East Plains community pantry on she hung up she had an opportunity to address both sides of the story she goes i never raised my voice i was so calm i was i treated them with the utmost respect and i have no idea why i was asked to leave and not come back so first of all i wanted to ask bob first of all it is very very weird that she hung up when she had an opportunity. No, she had to go back to work. She's okay. All right, break. then I don't. Okay, Bob. I, first and foremost, was she kicked out and asked not to come back? Yes, she was. Okay, why, Bob? Well, the reasons that are stated in the letter that was sent to her is for verbal abuse of our volunteers and uh, and choosing to make a scene which disrupt the peaceful business of the pantry. Okay, and you know, Bob. That is absolutely uh, your prerogative, and you have a pantry, and it's for the, you know, you, you want to keep order. She swears, and of course, we, 
listen, it's not uncommon to have different perceptions, but she said she never once raised her voice. Well, it wasn't just her. It was her husband, too. I don't think she mentioned her husband's business. Never mentioned it. Hmm. Yeah, he didn't come in very nicely. Is there... What? Did he come back, or was he waiting outside? Yeah. No, or how? he came later. He came back. Oh, really? So, like, how dare you accuse so-and-so? That's right. Okay. That's right. Bob, were you there personally? No, I was not. Okay. Now, does this happen where people can get back in the good graces, so to speak? I mean, if they're in need, is there a way or not? You just... Tell it like it is. Yeah, you know, our pantry is all volunteers. We have no paid staff. Everybody is giving their time out of the kindness of their heart. So I don't know why you would want to misbehave or be brutal or, or, or treat these people this way anyway. They're there on their own time and their own recognizance. No, I, I agree. I agree. And, and, for, and for anybody to come in, and we are, our, our pantry is open for anybody to come in. We serve people, uh, we serve 1,500 people a month in our food pantry. Wow. In little tiny town of Calhan, which is only about 800 people. Yeah. So um, we get a lot of people from the surrounding area. And and we want that pantry to be open and welcoming, and we certainly don't want any kind of a scene going on. I don't blame you. There. Is there a way, though? Can people, make, can people make amends? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, it's, this was, it's, the letter also said that uh, she was banned until, uh, for, for she was banned. Her husband and her children were all banned from the pantry until further notice. Okay. So listen, she first has to acknowledge that it even happened, which she, she just won't even acknowledge. Yeah, we had a volunteer bring in a drone and donate it to the food pantry. And the volunteer said, I want this for your holiday giving program. We have a toy giveaway that we do every yeah. year, too. And the, and, the, and the donor said that they wanted this drone to go into the okay. holiday giving to be a Christmas present to somebody. We understand. Thank you. This is the Troubleshooter Show. Help. I need somebody. Now, Tom Martino, the Troubleshooter. I'm Tom Martino, your troubleshooter fighting for you. We fight for consumers' rights. I've been doing this in Denver 40 years and continue to go strong when it comes to getting results. We try to help people with everything in life, really. And what we ask is that you call us and call us the sooner the better with a problem. Now, if you're listening online, a podcast, streaming, YouTube, Facebook, or referralist.com, and you're listening at an odd time, um, you can go to, like, the archives there. You can go to 303 Martino, and you'll always get to us. Always. Even if it's a personal call. Oh, no, I don't want to talk to anybody but Tom. Just say that. 303 Martino. 303-627-8466. And uh, we would be happy to talk to you. And we'll call you back. If you leave a number, please. Okay. So, this hour brought to you by RealCBDThatWorks.com. And it is RealCBD. Panacea Life Sciences. If you have pain, anxiety, discomfort, you want, you need some help sleeping, they have formulations on their website, realcbdthatworks.com. Delilah is um, in the middle of this crisis, and I want to ask her some direct questions because we've been trying to help her and been doing a lot for her uh, behind the scenes. So here are the, here's the situation. She said they were driving through a neighborhood, they saw a guy moving out of a house. Her husband had worked at that house before in his landscaping company. They said, hey, do you know if this house is for rent? He says, you know, it is. 
She said he purported himself to be the owner. He said he would keep the utilities in his name and it would be included in the rent. He collected $9,200 from her for partial rent for October, for all of rent of November, and for a damage deposit or security deposit. $9,200, almost all the money they have. Now, her husband works. She takes care of her four little kids. And they get a notice that this guy who just rented the house to them is being evicted by Invitation Homes, the actual owner of the house. She says she then suddenly realizes that, oh my God, this guy didn't even own the house. We're in trouble. She tries to call him. She can't get a hold of him. Then she realizes Invitation Homes is the real owner and who, by the way, is also a victim. So she says, what can I do? Can I pay your rent and stay here at least temporarily so I can get my family ready to move? And they say, you got to be out in two days. We get a hold of them and it wasn't quite, they weren't quite so harsh. They said, look, you know, we're victims here. This guy was a ripoff. We were evicting him. Now we have somebody else in there. And I said, look, would you let her at least pay rent temporarily? Meantime, the power goes out. Now they don't even have heat and electricity. So what do they do? Well, we're working on it. Now, here's the uh, thing I want to ask Delilah. Delilah, having given all this background, I want to ask you straight up. The company did have the power turned back on, though. Oh, wait. So, well, no, the, 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 it took me quite a long time to get the power turned on, but Invitations Home, Leah, uh, the manager at, the manager at REIA even said to me that Leah was hard to talk to. And l- that listen, was listen, I, here's what I want to do, Delilah. I want to give credit where credit is due. They didn't have to do anything, and they had the power turned back on, which means they had to take responsibility REA to pay. REAI had the power turned on. What's that? Yes. REAI had the power Who's turned REAI? on. Who's REAI? Man- the manager, uh, her name's Carol Lynn. She works over at the heating and electricity. I think she I means IREA. Do you mean IREA? Listen, yes, Delilah. Sorry. Delilah. Yes. IREA would not turn on the power without invitation homes approving it and taking financial responsibility yeah and which she didn't do carolyn called me and told me that she did not she was beating around the delilah trying to get her you know what delilah i'm done i'm actually done and i'm going to tell you why i'm done i'm trying to give credit these people are victimized they don't have to let you stay in there a day and you're bitching because it took them a little while to get around to it no matter how you look at it they would have you would have never had power ever without their approval. They could have said, you know what? We have squatters in the house. So the hell with them. We're not going to take financial responsibility for their electricity and for their heat. And all I'm asking, Delilah, is that you acknowledge that one thing. Because you know what? Without any appreciation, you don't get people to help you. That's all I'm asking. Yes. Is it frustrating? It sure as hell is. She may not have called on your beck and call as quickly as you wanted her to. But for God's sakes, take some responsibility here. You pull up in a neighborhood and rent a home cold and you don't know? You don't know he's not the owner? Here's what I want to know. Is it possible you thought, you know what? This guy's moving out. Let's move in. Once we're in, they'll never ask us to leave. This is a way to get a house without qualifying. I don't know. That's what Mark is asking. Now, I think Mark is a doubter. I think he, I think he needlessly is doubting. But the more you talk, the more ungrateful you're sounding. And I'm putting myself out there for you.
So here's the deal. I guess I'm, I'm going to stop, all right? I'm going to stop. I guess Delilah has it all figured out. If she's the one that had the power put on, they had no hand in it whatsoever. You know, I don't know what to do for Delilah. I, I, I mean, I'd like to ask her some pointed questions. I was going to move on to tell her some other stuff. I mean, does she want an update? Can we move forward without her slamming invitation homes? Ask her that, Daphne, before I go back to her. I'm not going to talk about this. I was simply saying it was nice of invitation homes to take financial responsibility, get that power turned back on. And she kept saying they didn't do it. It doesn't matter, Delilah. They would have never turned it on without some kind of acknowledgement from the owner of that home. So if Delilah would like to talk to us, I would love to talk to her and get an update because someone tells me they know where Mark Wakefield is. Yeah, Delilah found out, she said. So we'll wait. I want to ask Tyler what his question is. Hello? Hey, what's going on, Tyler? Hey, so um, a real a real quick recap of yesterday about the life insurance you guys were talking about, about the skydiving and how... Yeah, you we know... talked about something called a contestability period. It's a two-year period. Yes. Okay, so what if it was flip-flop? Say you were already doing a dangerous job and you quit doing that dangerous job. Do you have to reapply for life insurance at that point or... You just now, let me, l- let me get it straight. You say you're doing a dangerous activity, and are you insured or not? Yes. Okay. So I am insured through so life insurance. So you, yeah. disclosed, you disclosed honestly on the application that you're a skydiver. Right. And you got your insurance, right? Right, right. Okay. Now, you were rated based on that activity, and you will continue to be rated on that activity Unless you institute a new policy, it is very unlikely they will amend the existing policy, but you can take a new policy out. Oh, okay. Now, wait, wait, wait. You can have multiple policies as well. When I say it's very unlikely, that's because these contracts run and pay commissions and have a certain amount of commissions paid on what you said and what, what they projected the total to be. So I'm assuming that... It may not happen, but, you know, you can always ask him. Did this actually okay. happen to you? No, so I, I'm a delivery driver right now, and that's considered a dangerous job because I'm on the road all the time delivering parts and stuff like that. And say I quit this job and I still have life insurance. Does, it, does it, you see what I'm saying? Well, it's, it's, it, first of all, if you still have life insurance, what? What is your question? Will it go away? It doesn't go away. He wants if, to know if the price will go down. If the price doesn't yeah. automatically go down, no. Just like it doesn't automatically go up when you engage in more risky activity. It, it does nothing automatically. It for, is for the most part, that policy is what it is, and it's not going to change. Right. That's right. Well, you, I would have to open up a new policy. Well, I, I, I think you do. I think so because... These contracts are usually heavy loaded up front and they take out those expenses based on the projected cost. And, okay, and, so and if, go ahead. So if I have two policies open, I have to pay for both of them because they're both binding contracts, correct? Well, no, you can you can stop life insurance anytime you want. It just lapses. That's it. The coverage goes away. 
Or just oh, okay. cancel it. You can just cancel it. They can't hold okay. you to those monthly premiums if no, they're no, yearly, no, you, you, if that's what you're asking. You cancel it and say, I no longer want it. And then what okay, you, then, and then you do a new one. But wait a minute. Remember, I'm giving you an opinion on whether or not oh, yeah. that life insurance can be amended. Ask about amendment. I mean, they might be able to reissue the same policy for a lower premium. They may be able to. And, and, uh, we can ask Joe Keanu specifically if you want us to. I've never heard of people amending a policy. I haven't either. You know, because of the way they're written. And they, it, depending on what kind of life insurance he has, you probably do want to reshop anyhow. Shop numerous different companies. All right. Now, do you think that I was too harsh on Delilah just trying to get her to acknowledge that Excel and excuse me uh, that the uh, IREA had the the power was turned on because because invitation homes agreed to it. I don't know. That's the point. I want to help Delilah. I want to help everyone that calls this show. I simply don't ever want people in my in what I feel going off in the wrong direction. For example, when somebody bought a car as is, let's say, and they did every mistake in the book and then they expect the dealer to do something. And when the dealer does something, they say, well, they should have never sold it to me in the first. I mean, what I'm getting at is you have to take responsibility sometimes and and then be grateful to those who are trying to help you. When we come back, I'll talk to Delilah. She has a very important update. We're trying to verify it. But you're this is like spellbounding what we found out. I mean, we went, what? Yeah, and it has to do with this. Mark Wakefield, the scammer who rented this place. I just want to move on. But I want to make clear that Invitation Homes, the owner of this home, was victimized as well. They had a tenant they were evicting who rented that house out without authority. Hi, Tom Martino here, 303-713-TALK, 713-8255. We're going to uh, solve some problems here, go back to the Delilah case. John, you have a comment? Go ahead. John? Yes, I'm sorry about that. You're on the air, sir. Welcome to the show. Uh, I'm doing fine, thank you. And I'm getting ready for, I think, some snow. I'm not sure. That's right. That's right. So I just wanted to actually make a comment about the invitation homes thing. I used to work for them. Yeah. Unfortunately, that that was a big problem that they had. And the reason being for that was because you can anybody and everybody can go on to their website and all you have to do is upload uh, an ID and they'll give you a code to get into the home. Every home has a smart lock on it. So they'll they'll give you the code. So what people were doing, what we found out that <laughs> some scammers were doing were Basically, getting that code, using a fake ID, photoshopping it, whatever they did, a stolen ID, and then just acting as if they're the agent, getting the code, and then setting up their own Craigslist yeah. showing. Yeah. Um, oh, and this is, ahead and renting this it is a common ploy. This is a common thing going on all over the metro area. And uh, thank you. Now, now I know why it's easier. They have a code. <laughs> Man, people can just stand there and say, we own this house. Of course, in Delilah's case, they were driving by the, through the neighborhood. Let's talk to Jacob. You have a comment, too. Go ahead, Jacob. 
Hey, Tom. Uh, real quick, so I've been a renter with Invitation Homes for the last two years. Yes. I've had nothing but a great experience with them, and just like the last guy said, John, about working with them, um, they have stuff printed inside their homes saying, you know, this is an invitation home. I'm sure someone could easily take those stickers off and then try and, you know, rent the house out themselves. But um, the company's been great. They're easy to work with. They've just been wonderful to deal with. I haven't had any issues whatsoever. Um, So I'm really glad to hear that they're actually helping out in this situation. I had a feeling that they would be. I've been kind of tracking this whole situation. Well, and and again, we don't know how far they're going to go. I appreciate your comments. But um, I want to take one thing at a time. But Delilah did say today, uh, and for those just tuning in, okay, she rented a home. She and her husband and four kids thinking they were renting from the owner. According to her, they find out he was a renter being evicted. They gave him 9200 bucks. Now they can manage to pay rent for December when the next payment was due. And uh, then, and, and, but we're not sure if, if Invitation's going to let him make a transition out of there or rent to him or whatever. But right now, I want to take one thing at a time. Uh, and we do still have lines open, 303-713-TALK. Right now, I want to talk to Delia about one thing, one thing only. She found out some startling information. We don't know. We're trying to confirm it. But Delilah, the guy that ripped you yeah. off, the guy that was a tenant who pretended to be the owner, um, Mark Wakefield, you have reason to believe there's a big change in his status. <laughs> yes, there is. Okay, what would his I, Facebook status be? Um, as of right now, he, um, I don't know his face, what it would be. Uh, yeah, but I'm just he, kidding. You know, like, what, what's going on with him? Well, I found out that he got into a head-on car accident, and he died on Tuesday. He was killed in a car accident on Tuesday. Do we know if it's the same guy? Because Mark, uh, my Mark, our Mark, was looking at this. Mark, did did you say there was some question? Well, some questions. The news articles say Mark Wakefield of what town was it? Columbia? Like West, West Columbia. Columbia in a different state. No. Yeah. Oh, no, it says from, he's, he's, it said I'm a man from Columbia, but it happened in Fairfield, Colorado. Oh, really? Yes, sir. So I don't know if you guys. Oh, uh, well, no, no, we're going to look. Now, how did you find out? Um, So somebody, which I believe, I don't know if it's the wife or a friend of theirs on her Facebook. They messaged, they gave it to me through Messenger. I'm looking. yeah, go ahead. She's just then, wrong, though. This I don't even want to go any further. The article you sent, this I assume is the article you sent to us. This accident was not in Colorado. Fairfield County. Fairfield County. South Carolina. Yeah, in South Carolina. Okay, it, so then Fairfield County. Sorry, then. Sa- oh, then it doesn't I matter. It's, it's, here's what it says. Fault. Here's what it it's says. County. Here's what it says. A West Columbia man killed after a two-car accident Tuesday has been identified according to the coroner's office. Mark Wakefield, 43, died after a car accident at South Carolina Highway 34 and Smallwood Road. But how do we know this is the same Wakefield? So I'm going to tell you, and I'm not going to tell you because I'm not the coroner's, I'm not the police, but I believe 99%. It is him. I didn't. It's my fault. I did read, misread. It said uh, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter. I was in shock. Yeah, I'm in shock uh, my too. My mind is blown, re- like so much right now. Of course, I don't wish anything bad to happen 
on anybody. No, 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 not like that. I don't know why I feel bad, you know, like. But but listen, well, one thing I feel bad about is we can't get his money. And I'm I'm dead serious. I mean, I'm trying. (laughs) But why why does she, why do you think this is him, though? Yeah, like, like, did you just suddenly search his name and find this? How did you come across this? No, that's what I'm saying. Somebody, okay, the wife, Patricia Telly, she's in the Indonesia. This woman, I have been trying to communicate to find Mark. The ex-wife. The wife. The, no, they're still married. Oh, the they're wife. still married. Okay. And, that yeah, whole thing he, sounds sketchy. But he, he, he left he, her, right? So he left her in Indonesia is what she had told me. And before I even contacted you guys, I had communication with her. But I want to and ask you something. It's very, just very, while we're on this topic, how did you know she existed? Well, because when we she was here with him, they were oh. here before they left. Oh, so they were both, and she kind of was silent. Did she know he was perpetrating a scam? So um, she was, she was very nice. But I will tell you this: she had a she she had a stroke previously years before, so she couldn't very talk very well. But she knew what she was doing, and she can communicate very wellly. But she, I told her what he did, and she goes, "Well, I'm sorry he did this to your family." Okay. And then so, she did tell me that he did it before. And this is what I was telling you, know, you guys before. Okay. Is she so, the yeah, one that so, told you now, about this article? Yeah. And how did that come about? Now, now you can tell us about that. I'm sorry for interrupting you. Tell us about how you found out about his so-called death. So that's when I just was, I was driving and then I got a, my phone dinged and I got this message and said, um, it didn't even say anything. It just sent me that, 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 uh, that article, and then it said her name on the top, and that was it. And she sent and it so to then, you. She sent it to you. So, yeah. So then I tried to contact her, and I was like, "What? What? Like, is this real? Like, what? What the heck?" I was in shock. Like I told you. Yeah. And then she blocked me again, and now there's a little red mark by her name, and like how he when he blocked me. So at first I was like, "Are you guys just messing with me?" Because now you guys know that. Like well, no. Wouldn't it be convenient? Then, wouldn't it be convenient if a guy named Mark Wakefield died? Listen seriously, and she wants you to think it's him, so you stop dogging them. True story. I thought of that, and that's exactly what came to my mind. But then, in the article, when you read, when we came here, he had the same exact car, and it's an Acura. I read it. No, like no, 10 the times. Acura. Listen, that's another thing. You got to read carefully. I believe the Acura was the one that hit him. I don't know. I, uh, I, I, and I may be wrong. And, you know, we wait and nobody isn't going to know. And then another thing is I did talk to the investigator that was it working says, on my true, case. Listen to this. Oh, no, you're right. It says Wakefield died after he hit a 2017 mm-hmm. Chevy van. And he, yeah. he was driving he, while driving his Acura SUV. So he had an Acura he did, and that's what made me think. Okay, listen, Mark, and if he had an Acura, he was the same age, the same name, it could be true. I didn't say it couldn't have been. No, I know, but it, it very, I just, uh, man, this I is. I believe with, like, like I told you, and like I said, I'm not the, the cops or anything, right. and, you know, and I, I don't know if you wanted me to tell you this, but the investigator told me that he did get a hold of Mark a, a couple days ago. Do you know his Oh, Facebook? really? What did the investigator say went on with this conversation? So I asked him and he, I said, and he asked me, um, he did tell me that the other, not him, but the previous officer that was on my case, they switched the guys. They said that they talked to him and that Mark admitted, admitted 
an officer, Detective May, said this, that he admitted that he wrongfully did rent a house. He had no permission to do it and that um, he did take some money or something. But then I think what the officer said is he hung up on him and then told him, I'm, I'm done. And then that ended the conversation. And then the investigator said he's still trying to work on this. What investigator is this? With what agency? Centennial. I want, to, I want to applaud them for working on this. I yes, mean, really. I, I was... Okay, so listen. Yes. Hold on. I want to find out the latest, please, on Invitation Homes and your situation with them. And, Lee, you have a comment on renting. Hi, Tom Martino here, 303-713-TALK, 713-8255, here to help you. Solve problems, answer questions, take complaints. I want to make your life a little easier. Simplyfloorsinc.com. Their holiday sales going on right now. Simplyfloorsinc.com. That's where you make your own appointment. And that's where you get extraordinary savings. 30, 40%. And now an extra 5% on top of all of that. Plus ca- special cash rebates from Shaw. And then they have luxury vinyl tile. They have waterproof vinyl tile. They have um, waterproof wood products. It, it's incredible. And it's simplyfloorsinc.com. So, we're trying to figure out with Delilah, did this guy die? Is all hope lost for getting money? Can we say that his wife got unjustly enriched? I think we can. I think we can go after her if she got the money. If they're still together, I don't She's know She's in Indonesia. Well, that's, well, we don't know that, do we? Delilah, I, I don't really know what we can believe with what Wakefield said. He said to you... That he, did they look like they were separating when you saw them moving out of the house? No. Okay. So they rented you the house and then they separated? I'm not sure. And like I told you before, she's not all like completely, she had a really bad stroke. So, and she's Indonesian. She doesn't understand very well. And when you talk to her, she can't really talk because of her stroke. So she might be out of the country with the money. And uh, this this is crazy. And then we have, for those listening, the guy that was being evicted, Mark Wakefield. He cheated this family, took 9200 bucks from them, and then moved on. Um, they got the utilities turned off, and they're told by the real owners to get out. And we're trying to work all that out. The, the power was turned back on thanks to Invitation Homes. And now, is Invitation Homes trying to work with you on a transition? Um, they were, when I talked to Leah, she was really nice, uh, the, the day before yesterday, she yeah. did tell me, um, after you guys talked to her, she just said, we can try to work something out, but the only thing that she said that she can probably do is screen us first, it, because they have to go through the process, which oh, I screen you. In other words, if you can rent, you can rent from them and just yeah. stay there. Well, but she still wants us to make, you know, the three times the amount and stuff like yeah, that. You and still I, have to, you still have to qualify, right? Honest. Yeah. And I don't like, I'm not saying that we're, we can't afford it or with this. It's about all the screening and stuff. that. No, I understand what you're saying so, is it's possible. What you're saying is it's possible that you don't make the money they require. But we can still afford it. No, I know weird. a lot of families are I like just, that. <clears throat> we run across yeah, that all I the just, time. Yeah, and it's and it you know like I said, and I understand they have things that they have to follow, and and yeah. I and I respect that. But at the same time, I'm I I just want them to know too. You know, we're here. We're not here to hurt you. Like 
No. Did. We want to. We know that, we but you know nice one thing family. I do know: they're going to be. It's going to be hell to get them to waive their qualification. Um, it, you know, really, it's going to be hard because Wouldn't they have to waive it for everybody, or how does that work? No, they wouldn't have to waive it for everyone. Just no. a special event. Yeah, I mean, not at all. I mean, there's nothing legally that says to them it's the law. If you do it for one, you have to do it for all. Now, if they did it for all white people and not black people, that'd be different. But we're talking about a one-time, unique situation. Uh, they can they can alter their their policy if they want. If as, as long here's what I would say, man. I would say you sign this agreement that if for any reason you don't make your payments on time every time you're gone. Uh, what the hell? I, and I agree, and I'm okay with that. And I and I and would, even if you paid a little extra that, that went toward a security deposit every month, maybe that. Mm-hmm. And and the only thing that we I told her, you know, I told her I would get back with her. I would have to talk it over with my husband because. That's something that we we don't know if we could do, and I can tell her, okay, you can screen us, but then we get denied, which is in our hearts, we know, and then, you know, or even if she was, like, saying maybe month to month, or maybe, hey, you know, it's You know what? Anything, anything, at least now they're talking to you, right? And. Let's just try to keep working on it. At least we got that two-day thing removed where you had to be out right away. But I want to mention, I want to ask something. I want to ask something that's bugging me a little. And and I'm not, listen, Delilah, we all agree that you were scammed by this guy. We do agree. But I, I, I just have a question that's nagging at me. Did you think something was weird? I mean, you happen to be driving through this neighborhood and this guy is moving out. Did your husband work at that property, you said? Well, like I told you guys before, I didn't. I, I told Daphne more of the story than I did you, and I don't know if it was relayed. So when we drove by, we didn't just drive by and say, okay, there's a moving truck, we're going to rent this. We, we worked on his, my husband, and then I went with him a couple times, and we went and worked on the, the yard for him. And who he paid really for that? Pay. Who paid for that? He did. He what? did. How did he pay? Uh, uh, just cash. Our daughters are in marching band, and they were trying to raise money for uniforms, and we always told them, you know, you, ha- you have to do community service. So one thing is we all did family yard work together. So we went together to do their yard, and it wasn't just But did it? Did, why would he, if he's being evicted, why would he pay to have yard work done out of his pocket? But this was, but what I'm trying to tell you, this was in the summertime. I understand that. But if the guy doesn't own the property, I'm wondering, what kind of yard work did you do? Well, we mowed, we okay. weeded. Well, we okay, up, we tenants, okay. tenants, tenants yeah. often are responsible for that. You're right. Okay. It's because it's not HOA. And Leah, they, the, the invitation homes now that I know that it's not HOA or nothing because now I've learned more about them. So. Well, no, they're, they're an owner. Period. And and so anyway, this tenant paid you. You thought he was the owner. He paid you for yard work. And then mm-hmm. and then you were there a few times and you and the, one of the times you went there, you find he's moving and you say, hey, is this house available? Did you say, is it available or did you ask him, would you like to rent it to us? No, because we, it wasn't a few times after that. We didn't see him until then after this was summer. And then we saw him in October. It was like October 1st. And in the neighborhood, my daughter goes down the school street, so we always drive by the house. And you saw a moving van. And there was a moving So I went and said, hey, how are you guys doing? Are you guys moving and stuff? And I go, we're actually looking for somewhere to rent, and it's so hard to find somewhere to rent out of here. I didn't just go up to him and say, can I I rent your place? Because I didn't know if it was or not. But then he did make a proposal to me. And he he didn't say to you, hey, Delilah, you know, the lease is in my name. If we don't 
upset the apple cart, you can probably hang here. No, he never said that. Okay. And my husband would have, we both, no. Okay. All right. You really, honest to God, thought he owned the house. Well, yeah, he told us he owned the house. Okay. Do you have that lease? When we did yard work, when we did yard work for the house, we, he even stated, he goes, I never get to do my yard. Delilah, do you have, do you have that lease anywhere? Yeah, I have the lease. Okay. We would like to just see it. I'd like to see how this guy, how far he went. And then we're going to try to verify his death. We're told he was killed in a head-on collision when he swerved and hit someone. And you know what? Here's the deal. Do I wish anyone death? No. Does it bother me? It bothers me because we're not going to be able to go after him for the money. Tom Martino, your troubleshooter. 303-713-TALK. 713-8255. Tell people about this show. It is a big deal because we recover hundreds of millions of dollars for people in cash, merchandise, exchanges, refunds, and services. Uh, Wayne, what is going on, sir? Wayne? Wayne? I guess we don't have him. What was Wayne going to say, Daphne? Uh, Pretty much what Clint's doing, that uh, he can verify if he passed away through the Centennial Police. In what way? I guess they would be able to contact... Uh, oh, they had a case open. You're right. You're right. Let's do that. Delilah. That's easy thinking. Yeah, that's good. Thank you. Delilah, since you have a... Are you still there, Delilah? She's not. Okay. It, since there is a case open... I have an investigator here, too. I can call. What's that? I have the investigator's okay, name good. and phone number here. Good. I bet he has an answer for tomorrow's show. That would be good. Like to verify the guy's dead. You know, this guy was such a creep. You have to hold yourself back from saying good for you. No, I'm, you know, I, I, I you know, that's the, the, what do you call it inside you? The, the, what do they call that? No, no, no. The, the thing. Snarky. The, the reptile brain. That's what I meant. You know, that reptilian brain we all have. Good for you. But I don't really mean it. No one deserves to die over this damn thing. Wait a minute. Not over this thing. Okay. I, I won't clarify that. You were going to clarify, does anyone ever deserve? That's what I was going to ask. A whole, Mark, that's a whole show. Do people deserve capital punishment ever? You know, they asked. Uh, that's a whole show. Dennis, you have a comment. Uh, two comments. See if your probate attorney can go after his estate for the money that was taken from Delilah. Good and idea. have Frank, the real estate god, pull off a Christmas miracle and get her to buy a house instead of rent. Huh. Good idea. Good idea. Thank you. That is really a good idea. All right, Mark, what were you saying? Uh, they asked a group of people at some college, if you could go back, they were anti-death penalty people, if you could go back in time and kill Hitler uh, before he was born, would you do it? And you know what the answer was? Well, no, they wouldn't even do that. So, I mean, that's kind of crazy. So there's definitely people out there that no matter what the death you know, penalty I often kick find up. I often find that suppositions, they, you can't answer accurately. You know, suppose you could do this. No, or, it's impossible. You know, people don't really, really tell you the truth. Okay, folks, you heard this show. You tell people about it. You can find out all about us for help, information, and referrals 
at referralist.com. And remember, save all your problems for me.